Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Data on Tolbert Show. I'm your host, Data on Tolbert. I'm excited about tonight's show. This is our second annual, I want to say second annual, but I believe we did a, a couple in the past. So I'm just going to say our annual post-Oscar awards special. Okay, tonight we're going to be doing a recap um, of last night's Academy Awards presentation. Um, it was one of the most talked about in, in recent memory. A lot of um, accolades for uh, films and, and actors and actresses that, you know, we as a community have, uh, you know, are, are excited about, you know, and, and rightfully so, you know what I mean, if, you know, if you get into that type of stuff. Um, and we'll talk about that. But a lot of people are talking about the awards um, you know, as they always do every year around this time, the day after, and uh, we're going to do the same, but we're going to add a little bit of a of a spin to it. We're not going to be your, you know, access Hollywood entertainment tonight. You know, where where you kind of idolize these these celebrities and just make it seem as though this is like the event of all events, and you know, like this huge, you know, make this huge to do about it. But what we want to do tonight is talk about, you know, talk about what we're seeing, uh, talk about some things that um, people are talking about, but approach it from a more of a spiritual perspective, more of a biblical perspective, uh, more of a uh, a real perspective, not so much, you know, the the fakeness of of Hollywood and the, you know, like we're not we're not going to do it, you know, do all that. We're not going to idolize these guys. We're not going to glorify, you know, things that really uh, that the Bible speaks of, um, you know, in regards to not being, um, you know, pure and and, and good, um, and, and in fact, many things that are actually downright evil. Uh, we're actually going to talk about it. And uh, you guys are welcome to call in and talk about it as well with us, 646-200-0366. Hit the number one on your keypad. Uh, over the last several months and even last couple of years, we've been making a habit of doing some really, um, you know, some you know, we did our post-Grammy recap special. Uh, we did a VMA special. Uh, we did a Halloween special, a Christmas special, a Valentine's Day special. You know, we've been doing a lot of specials around some of these these major events, and um, I would definitely encourage you all just you know to check them out. You know, those are definitely some of the better shows. Um, you know, we take what society you know puts up on a pedestal and talk about it from uh, talk about those things from a biblical perspective. So, uh, Courtney is here with me tonight. Courtney, what's going on with you? How do you feel about tonight's show? I'm so excited. I am ready to get into it. Now, did you watch the Academy Awards last night? Yes, I did. Are you a Academy Award watcher? Actually, not at all. <laughs> Believe it or not, I rarely watch it. So what was special about last night's show? Well, it was really because I saw the movie 12 Years a Slave, and I wanted to see um, if anyone from the movie, um, if they were going to win. I usually only watch it if it's a movie that I've seen um, or if, you know, African-Americans are nominated, just to see, you know, if anyone's going to win. So um, I watched it last night. Okay. You know, I've been watching the Academy Awards pretty much every year since I've been a kid. And, you know, it's interesting how, you know, just my perspective has changed over the years. Back growing up, you know, I remember watching Denzel Washington, you know, when he was nominated for Malcolm X and uh, The Hurricane and, you know, so many of his, and even Glory, I was watching it, you know, way back then. And so, I, you know, I, I've, I've talked about, um, you know, the Academy Awards from um, a much different perspective in the past. 
and and really the last couple of years, I just see it as a, as a, just a really um, from a different perspective, and which is where we want to go with it tonight. Um, so definitely look out for that. Tonight, though, also is we're going to get into our anticipated show uh, where we've been t- dr- dying to talk about uh, 12 Years a Slave, and we're really going to incorporate three shows in one tonight. We're going to talk about, obviously, the Oscars. We're going to talk about uh, 12 Years a Slave, which we've been, you know, like I said, we've been trying to get that show done for several, uh, about a couple months now, just the timing was always off, different things would happen. So we're going to talk about that being a black man in, in white America um, and how the two, you know how that theme ties into uh, the movie. Also want to really get into a little bit of uh, our, our special, our annual special. It's a little bit late, our special on uh, 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 Martin Luther King that we do every year, so MLK Day. So definitely um, a lot to talk about tonight. Let's jump right into it, though. I want to I want to start it off like this. Uh, we were watching. Uh, uh, I was watching uh, TV, and uh, you know they were doing. Somebody was talking about you know Beyonce, and uh, you know if you guys have been listening, we did. You know we've been talking about that new album. You know a lot of the lyrics, a lot of the messages that are being put forth, and um, so I was watching the interview, and people were just saying, "Oh my gosh, you know, you know Beyonce is just." She's just really on top of her game, and you know she's really doing her thing right now, and she, you know, she's really killing these award shows, and da 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 da, da, da you know. And I mean, we all know that's ridiculous, you know, from a, a biblical standpoint, um, really any standpoint, really to be honest with you. But you know, I was in my car and I was listening, turn on the radio, and uh, I don't, I forget the name of the, the new song. I don't know what the name of the song is. Not drunk in love, but it's you know, it's a new song, or whatever. And she's talking about you know, driver. You know, roll up the partition, please. You know, I don't need the driver seeing Beyonce on her knees. I'm like, what the, like, what the heck? Courtney, are you familiar with the the song I'm talking about? I think it's called Partition, but I could be wrong. Um, But I've been hearing about it, so I think that's the name of it. Um, So, but I don't know much about it, though, because you know I'm not a Beyonce fan, but... Yeah, we know she has hoish lyrics. I mean, it's it's funny because it's almost like, you know, we talk about it. And it's like, all right, because I'm, I'm not one to beat a dead horse, but it's just like every time I'm like, okay, we talked about it. You know what I mean? We we discussed it. You know, we put the information out there so people can listen to it, you know, and, and, you know from a biblical perspective and, and kind of make their own decision, draw their own conclusions. But I'm, I'm listening, and I'm like, this is like she took it to a whole other level. She said, "I don't want the was some I don't want the driver seeing Beyonce on her knees." So basically, indicating that we talked about you know the whole watermelon you know thing, how she's slurping you know seeds and semen, you know what I'm saying, swallowing different things. Now she's talking about going back. I mean, she's not even talking about sex. She's talking about just downright hoish behavior. And one of the things I said online um, is that you know, married or not, respectable women. Okay, classy women do not speak publicly about their sex lives. I mean, and this is not really something that I feel like we should even have to discuss. I don't think that's even something that should have to be said. I mean, I would think that that would just be common sense. I would think that would just come along with, you know, having morals and values and and just self-respect for yourself. Uh, But evidently, you know, it's not. And this is what I'm being told is a hit song. 
So in order for a song to be a hit, that means people have to download the ringtones and people have to request it when they call into the radio stations. They have to, you know, put it onto their iPods and all this stuff and, and really listen to it and, you know, support these music videos. And, I mean, that's just it's just really a sad state of society that people think that that's okay, you know. And, and you, we, let's be honest, I mean, Beyonce's core audience is young black females. I shouldn't say young, but, but just black females. You know, she has fans all over, but let's be honest. I mean, that's what that's who it is, you know, single black women. And ladies, do not, I'm just telling you all, do not fall for the hype. Do not allow, you know, someone to look at you, you know, and tell you this is okay and then allow that to shape what you think is right. You know what I'm saying? You know, if even if you haven't been brought up with a father to tell you, you know, what's what, you know, you should at least know, like, hey, look, this is not cool. This is hoish behavior. You know, I mean, any thoughts on that? I mean, just as a woman, a single woman who who hears stuff like that, is there any part of you that thinks that that's sexy or cute or you know desirable behavior? No, I, I don't. I, I I don't at all, and I, I do feel bad um, for the young girls that are listening to it because I mean they're they're lost, and you know it should be common sense that you know you shouldn't behave that way or that's not. Um, ladylike to you know speak in that manner, but young girls they're impressionable, so they're not thinking you know with that mindset. And if they don't have the guidance on top of that, it's very difficult to look at it and say that hey, this is wrong. When everyone around them, including their parents, are you know are bad examples. You know their friends, same thing. You know raised in the same types of um, homes, so they, they don't have really any role models. And the sad part is Beyonce is so-called claiming that, you know, she's one or she's being put on a pedestal as if she, she's one, you know, by the president and first lady. Right, right, exactly. And that's that's what's most ridiculous. That's the what's most problematic is that, you know, people in, in positions of influence and power are co-signing hoish behavior. So that, you know, gives the parents the, you know, the thoughts like, okay, I really don't have to listen to this music. I really don't have to examine it for myself. It's, oh, Michelle Obama supports her, Barack Obama supports her. You know, all these people, you know, support her, Oprah Winfrey. So it's like, okay, it must be okay. It must not be so bad. And that's what we want to talk about tonight is the overall entertainment industry. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a there's a problem with society, and we're going to speak about it a little bit later from a biblical standpoint, what the Word says about society, what the Word says about being a celebrity, what the Word says about being rich and famous and powerful, and, and even those who look up to those types of individuals. This is not for us. A lot of people don't think there's anything wrong with that, but there actually is. Okay, one of the things that we're seeing also in the entertainment industry, you know, I mean, just a level of blasphemy and and just is just on a whole nother level. You know, I was watching, um, you know, there's a new video out, there's a new song out. Uh, well, Rick Ross has a new song out, a uh, new album out, out tomorrow. In fact, uh, it's entitled um, Mastermind, and uh, many of you may, you know, be familiar with Rick Ross, and uh, you know, he has this song out. And it's entitled, The Devil is a Lie. And I would just encourage everybody to listen to it. You know what I'm saying? Because the title would, you know, would indicate that, you know, this would be a song. I mean, hey, you might even hear the title and think, wow, this is some type of gospel song. This is some type of song speaking out against evil, you know, and sin. The devil's a lie. Let's, let's start disbelieving the lies of the enemy. 
right? I mean, surprise, it's, sorry, it's, that's not it. You know, in fact, if you listen to it, it's actually a song glorifying Satan. It's a song glorifying the devil. Back in the day, you know, we used to joke around and say, you know, wow, there's going to be a, come a time where devil worshiping is actually mainstream. And I think, and what what's interesting is just to sit back and watch it happening right before our eyes, and seeing people not even realize that they're dancing and that they're singing to actual satanic worship. Beyond, uh, not Beyonce, I mean, although she her too, but uh, you know Rihanna, you know that song "Pour It Up." That's actual. A lot of people don't realize that's actual demonic worship. That song. People say, "Well, what do you mean? How is pour it up?" You know, a song about demonic worship or satanic worship. Well, if you look at what Satanists believe, you know, they're worshiping, if you're unfamiliar, they actually worship things that God himself hates, that God speaks out against. So when you listen to a song that's all about the worshiping of money, the idolization of money and fame and power and riches, you know, and, and that's that's it in a nutshell. What I don't know what people think Satanism is, but that's, you know, that's it. And as we talk about the Academy Awards, you'll see a lot of those same themes, you know, right there in your face. Okay? And it's unfortunate that people think that it's, quote, unquote, no big deal. But back to Rick Ross. He has a song entitled, The Devil is a Lie. Now, if you guys watch the video, I mean, forget the video. I mean, the video is clearly filled with all type. I posted it on my page, all types but most people aren't familiar with the, what to look for. But, I'm, you know, me knowing what to see, I mean, from start to finish, every frame is blatant and clear, demonic and clearly satanic imagery. Like, not even a question. You can't watch two seconds of it without seeing something. Like, every single lyric, every single image is a clear and blatant demonic reference. And um, <laughs> filled with Illuminati symbolism and it's right there in front of your face. If, but most people aren't, don't know what to look for, so they miss it. Uh, but for those who know, you clearly see it. I know Courtney mentioned something earlier on. Now, but the actual video is, is really one of the things that's most problematic. If you notice, they have two uh, what would be considered priests, you know, Catholic, what looks like priests, taking the place of rapping, you know, taking the place of Rick Ross rapping his lyrics and another guy, white guy rapping Jay-Z's part. Rick Ross and Jay-Z aren't even in the video, but they're actually, you know what I'm saying, just rapping. I mean, you know, saying all types of stuff. I mean, it's, it's almost so so blasphemous that it's funny. What did you, when you saw that, Courtney, what did you think about it? I was, it, it was, oh gosh, I'm, I'm on speechless. You see, I can't even talk, but um, it really um, had me speechless because, it's, like you said, it's it's on it's on another level. It's so obvious, you know, how blasphemous it was. Um, and just seeing all the symbolism and just blatant, it's just disrespect. And as I was saying um, earlier on Facebook, you know, they have, like, images of Baphomet and, you know, what looks like, you know, resembles the, the Holy Grail. It's just that, you know, blasphemy there. And then you have the lyrics, you listen to the song. Jay-Z even says, you know, if you you got to be Illuminati if you want to shine or something like that. And so this is not about the devil being a lie. It's just it's really mocking um, God, mocking Jesus Christ. And if you listen and you look at the images, it's it's loud and clear. Yeah, and that's that's one of Jay-Z's actual, um, I mean, it's, it's definitely a play on words, but what he really wants 
people to think that he's saying is that, you know, because, you know, he gets accused of being down with the Illuminati. He's saying basically kind of tongue-in-cheek, well, oh, I guess i got to be Illuminati if, if you know, if, if – if, if I'm going to shine, you know what I'm saying? Like, because I'm successful, I must be down with the Illuminati. That's what people say. You know, he's saying it as if he doesn't know anything about that, as if, you know, there isn't some huge secret society, you know, going on that he's very much so aware of. I mean, so he, he def, he's definitely making a, um, he's being very facetious, you know what I'm saying, you know, with that with that comment. But ironically, the irony with this statement is that it, that's actually the case. You know what I'm saying? You actually have to subscribe, and that's what we're going to talk about when we get into this whole Academy Awards thing. You know, you in in order to be what society, you know, de- defines as successful, you actually do. I'm not going to say you're actually in the Illuminati because that would be foolish for those of you who are familiar with the history of it. But when you represent, when you embrace their ideologies, their symbolism, their colors, their way of thinking, you know, then that is the way that you become successful. You understand that? And and, and influential. And that's, you know, when you get to be, you know, with cameras in your face, you know, front pages of the uh, these magazines and things like that, you know, blogs. I mean, these are things that are not given for free, guys. Anybody who thinks that does not understand it. Now, that, that's not to say that Lapita Iyango is not, uh, is not talented. That's not to say that Denzel and Oprah and all these, that's not to say that they don't have talent. It's not to say Beyonce and Jay-Z don't have talent, because they all do, very much so. But unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of people with talent who have made that decision. Hey, look, I'm going to stand for Jesus Christ. Those are going to be the people who you don't see taking that walk up the steps to accept the Oscar or the Grammys or front page on the newspaper or anything like that. You know, to do that, to see the industry, a lot of people look at the individual and say, well, no, they don't believe this or they this and that. It's not about them. It's about the industry that has taken them and their talent to another level. Hopefully you guys understand that the industry, everyone should know by now, is clearly evil. It's clearly run by people who are evil. I mean, so many celebrities, including Mike Jackson, have actually said that. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, so it's like you just, and I mean, so many, I mean, so many celebrities have actually spoken out against what the entertainment industry is, how it will devour you, what it represents, who it's run by, you know, and what needs to be done to to be successful and stay successful. Yet people will still look at it and say, wow, okay, they are in that industry and obtaining success in that industry. But no, 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 they didn't, you know, not Lapita. You know, not Beyonce, not Jay-Z, not my favorite, not Kirk Franklin, not Mary Mary, not, not gospel singers, not, no, everybody but them. You know what I'm saying? It, it, no, not them, because I like them, because I can relate to them, because I look like them. It doesn't matter who they are, it doesn't matter what they look like, it matters who put them where they are and what they believe. You understand that, guys? That's like me saying, hey, look. You know, you guys know me. You guys know I have talent. You guys know what I do. But for me, you know, and I, I'm successful in, in, you know, in my own right. 
But if all of a sudden you have to understand, you start seeing me on some front page newspapers, on TV, you know, doing all types of stuff. I'm telling you now, you know, I've sold out, right? (laughs) I'm saying like that that will never happen. I'm just letting you know because that's the industry and that's what's required. When I say for those of you unfamiliar, when I say I've sold, that means I've sold my soul to Satan for fame and fortune and money and power and riches. Okay, that's what's required. And and you know, and so we're going to talk about that because as we talk about the Oscars, as we talk about the Academy Awards, it's the the pinnacle of Hollywood's you know uh, standard of success. You know, was there a time, Courtney, when you looked up to though the elite? you know, the powers that be, the rich and powerful, to and said, wow, that's cool, you know, or maybe even I'd like to be in that circle? Yes, I used to want to be a Hollywood actress when I was little. What was the appeal of it? I wanted to win an Oscar. I wanted um, notoriety and fame. And um, I guess it was just having that, Acknowledgement. I used to just dream about getting an Oscar, and I used to, you know, put on little skits and stuff like that. And I, I used to want that at one point because I thought, and another part of me thought that, you know, that would bring me happiness too. Right. That's one of the things that is the appeal, I, you know, and just people in general. When you look at people, I mean, you know, people really get. When I say people, I mean society. You know, people really get excited about you know, the Academy Awards, about the Grammys, the VMAs, because a lot of people, I mean, most people, in fact, are, in fact, miserable, you know, and and not because they don't necessarily have blessings in their lives, but because they are not living a life that deep down, if they're honest with themselves, is pleasing to God. And so when you exhibit sin in your life, that's something that's going to separate you from God. And when you embrace sin, that's going to separate you from God. And so when you're separated from God, when that means you're far away from God, how happy can you really be, right? I mean, you can't really be happy. You can't be happy at all if you don't have God in your life. You're not going to have God in your life if you're living and embracing a sinful lifestyle, which most people are. And I'm not judging because that was me for a very long time, you know, living a life of unrepentant sin. So, And I know that unhappiness that Courtney's speaking of. I know that unhappiness that many people can relate to, which is why they seek out, you know, they live vicariously through the lives of these celebrities. Because, oh, they have a Bentley. They drive a Rolls Royce. They just won an Oscar. Wow, they look happy. They have it all. But that's what you guys got to realize. One, you'd be surprised how many of those celebrities are actually miserable. And you can see it in a lot of their faces. You can see it through the drug use. You can see it through a lot of the lyrics in their songs. and So many different things. The premature deaths, the sacrifices. I mean, there's so much stuff that indicate that, you know, there's not happiness. But the main thing is, again, the lack of the relationship with God. You understand that? And I'm just trying to tell everybody, you know, I mean, look at them. You look at people who, I mean, you know, Sunday morning, right? I mean, people are on Facebook chatting it up posting about stupid stuff, you know what I'm saying, you know, sleeping in, not doing anything, not going to church, not praising God, you know, and the reality is you got people who were saying, oh, church is three hours long, you know, church is a 45-minute sermon, I ain't got time for that. But, I mean, how long was the Oscars on last night? 
I mean, the Oscar pre-show started about 7 o'clock. Oscars didn't go off till like 12 o'clock. But yet you saw people who were literally in front of their computers and in front of their uh, TVs posting away and commenting away and watching away for five straight hours. Am I lying? No, that's really what was going on. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, really think about that. You got people who won't even go, can't even sit through a two-hour sermon, but will watch a five-hour award show and pre-show and not even care about it. People say, well, that's entertainment. Well, what the, what, for me, hearing the Word of God is entertaining. For me, hearing these choirs kill it is entertaining. But I guess, you see what I'm saying? That's the difference between, you know what I'm saying, when people are on fire for God and not, when people are in the world and not in the world. One of the things that the Word says, just going back a little bit, the Word says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And I think a lot of times, you know, people mistake what they're seeing for being no big deal, not seeing the spiritual significance of what it is that what that is the intended, you know, imagery. A lot of this stuff is a direct mockery of Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying, guys? I, I just want to make that real clear before we go any further. Don't think there's no such thing as coincidences when it comes to the entertainment industry. Everything is deliberate. Everything is calculated. Courtney, what's a synonym? If you had to just think right off the top of your head, we haven't talked about this, but just off the top of your head, what's a synonym for gay? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Come on, happy. Courtney. What did, exactly. Happy. What's the number one song in America right now? Pharrell Happy. Exactly. Oh, but I guess that's just a coincidence, right? Mm-hmm. Right, guys? That's just a coincidence. Happy. You got a bunch of people dancing around at the Academy Awards. You know, everybody's happy. Don't you guys see? That's not a coincidence. That's not just, oh, this is just a catchy tune. Let's just make a hook called, you know, happy. If you haven't noticed, guys, there's a huge homosexual push, you know, in the entertainment industry. I mean, it's almost laughable that people don't even see that. You know what I'm saying? Or or cuz you can't not see it, but it's laughable that people see it and ignore it and act like it's no big deal, especially not a big deal in God's eyes when in reality it's an abomination in God's eyes. Okay? We I mean, you got these people happy. I mean, there's Ellen DeGeneres, they bring her back. Let's represent, let's bring out the gay and lesbian crowd. You know what I'm saying? Let's you know what I'm saying? Let's bring her she ain't hosted in seven years, but now that there's a this big homosexual push, oh, who who better else to, to host the, the Academy Awards? What better, you know, performance to end the show than Pharrell? You know, singing this song happy. Why do you hear that song played fifteen million times per day? Because it's, you know, happy. This is like, it's like the new gay anthem. Everybody dancing around. That's that's a that's actually what's called if you're in the literary world, that's actually called what's what's called foreshadowing. Okay? It's it's showing you, you know, things to come, how things will be. Everyone will be happy. Everyone will be gay and, and will 
the you know what I'm saying the homosexual lifestyle will be the new normal, the new way of life. Okay, everyone will embrace it, whether they are gay or they're not gay. It will be what it is, and it will be acceptable. And if anybody thinks that that's for a second pleasing to God, you're crazy. You know what I'm saying? You're crazy. And I have to be the only person that you know what I'm saying is not afraid to to say it and to you know speak out against it. I don't care if everybody and their mom embraces it. I will never embrace it. Because I know what the word says and I know what God says. Now, somebody said something yesterday. I was debating with somebody who's evidently gay. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, let's just let's be honest. I mean, who, you're not going to find too many men making excuses for homosexuality unless they are actual homosexuals, to be real with you. But they were saying that, you know, hate. Everybody wants to talk about hate. It's not about hate. Let me just say this, too, because it's not, you know, when you speak about sin, it's not about judging. It's not about hating. It's not about, you know, it's not about anything. You know, and people say, oh, you love your neighbor. No, it's not about loving your neighbor. I mean, it is about that, but not in that context. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to embrace your neighbor's sin. Yeah, you you know, love your neighbor, do unto others as you have them do unto you. But if that person claims to be a Christian and claims to love God, then as a Christian, you're supposed to pull that person to the side and speak to him. And to pray for him and to set him straight. You understand that? You know, try to get him in love to do the right thing. Not love the sin, not embrace the sin, not remain silent to the sin. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. In fact, it says to expose sin. Right? I mean, that's what it says, isn't it? And that's what we need to focus on. Bible says to have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them. That's Ephesians 5.11. A lot of people say, well, who are you to judge? Well, the Bible says we're supposed to judge. I don't know where people say, think, oh, do not judge. And No, the Bible specifically says in Proverbs 31.9 to open your mouth and to judge righteously and to defend the, the rights of the poor and the needy. It's not about, you know, making excuses for sin and keeping your mouth shut. We're supposed to open our mouths and expose sin and speak out against injustices and, you know, things like that. So just keep these things in mind, guys. Don't let people, you know, who don't even know the Bible convince you something that the Word does not even say. Don't let people misquote the Bible and use it out of context when it has nothing to do with what, you know what I'm saying, what they're trying to point they're trying to make. You know, so much to talk about tonight, guys. This is, our, like I said, this is like a three-in-one special. Post-Oscar recap, 12 years a slave, being a black man in white America, Martin Luther King special. Courtney, what did you think about that standing ovation for Jesus Christ? Did you catch that? Yeah, I did. I was actually surprised. But then I was just like, well, which, you know, guy are they talking about? Like, I just wasn't expecting that just based off the crowd, you know? You know, I'll tell you something. It's it's really interesting, man. You know, when you, I mean, for those of you who have that spirit of discernment, you know, which I do, and I know many of you do, I mean, you, you saw something special last night. That's why I was, it was it was very interesting and, and very awkward at the same time because, you know, the, the the vast majority of people there, you know, I shouldn't say the vast majority. Well, yeah, the vast majority of people there, you know, are super rich, filthy rich, you know, have subscribed to, you know, the industry, the world, 
you know, and that's just what they're doing. And, you know, when you look at what's happening, they're really, most people, they're you know, on drugs, a lot of drug use, a lot of unhappiness, a lot of things going on that are clearly not of God. But that doesn't mean that God can't touch people's hearts. You ever go to church, Courtney, you know, and, you know, haven't been there for, for months, you know what I'm saying, and, and maybe even years or who know you know what I'm saying, and you just, you know you haven't been living right and you just go in there and, you know, the the word, or I should say the Holy Spirit just hits you and you just, you know, maybe bust out crying, you fall out, you know what I'm saying, you just really leave. It just touches you when you know you haven't been living right. Yeah, that's happened to me before, yes. It's happened to me on a number of occasions, you know, and and that is what you see. Because I remember back in the day when it wasn't a big deal, when they would actually have someone singing gospel at the Grammys, when they would actually do a whole gospel segment at the Grammys. Like before they used to do like an actual hip-hop segment, uh, you know, a gospel segment, a, a heavy metal segment. Like they just, you know, they totally they don't even do that anymore. There is no mention of gospel. There are no gospel categories, you know, that that's televised at least. And, um, you know, when you would see that, you would actually see the same types of things. You know, it's like somebody would just kill it, and even the most thuggish of thug, you'd be seeing tears in their eyes, and it's like for that split second, they're like, wow, let me self-reflect on what I'm living, how I'm living, what I'm doing, who I'm associating myself with, what I'm going to be doing after the show, and it touches them. And I think that's what we saw last night. You know, how many standing ovations were there last night other than that? You know, not too many. And that's what, you know, Jesus Christ will do. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. So I just thought that was great, so I posted about that. Um yeah, it's, it's deep. Let's talk about. Uh, I know people want to hear us talk about Miss Miss Lapita Iyango. I- I- you know, um, you know. Shout out to her. Congratulations to her. Um, Courtney, I know you posted about her. You know, you, when you were, you seemed to be kind of excited when she won the Academy Award. So that was surprised. I didn't think she was going to win. Well, that's so, interesting. Why did you think she wasn't going to win? Because, to be honest, I I thought um, someone else was gonna going to win it. I I thought she was. I'll be real. I thought she was good in Twelve Years a Slave, but I didn't think it was Oscar worthy. So it was great that she got nominated. But I was. I remember I was telling somebody. I was like, Oh, well, she's not gonna win. They're gonna give it to whoever. Um, and though, and then when she won, it took me by surprise, and it it made me happy because um, you know I rarely see us win, so it was just a surprise to me. So yeah. Who would you consider to be Oscar worthy? To be honest, even though she has not, she's never won. She's been nominated multiple times, but um, Viola Davis, I think she's really good. Um, you know, that's who I would say. Um, who else? Julia Roberts, so I think she's won like before, but like people like that. So you, what what performance of Julia Roberts did you feel like was better than uh, Lapita's? Well, I liked her in um, Aaron Brockovich. I know that's like a while back, but I, I mean, I thought I think she's a good actress. So well, wait, I so I'm just asking. Reason, so. I'm just asking. So you think? Aaron, Julia Roberts' performance in Aaron Brockovich was better than Lapita's performance in Twelve Years a Slave. 
No, I just think she's, a, I guess because I'm looking at how long she's been in the business, and I don't know. I just, I thought Lupita was good. I just, I honestly, I didn't think she was going to get it. That's just my opinion, so. No, that's what um, I'm saying, but she, I mean, that her. performance, though, that performance of Aaron and Aaron Brockovich, I just want to, I'm just trying to understand what you're saying. You felt like it was bad. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just asking that you felt like that, or, or if not that, what performance of Julia Roberts specifically do you feel like was better or Oscar-worthy? Well, I liked her and Aaron Brockovich. I did. I did. So that performance was better than Lapidus. To me, yeah. Okay, no, that's all, okay. That's all I want to know. Okay, that's cool. I respect that. Now, mm-hmm. I'll be honest with y'all. My these are my thoughts about um, Twelve Years. Old. I, I mean, it was okay to me. The movie was just okay, and certainly, to, in, my, in my opinion, had no business being nominated for Best Picture. And that's just me. Um, the performances for me were excellent. I thought Lapita's performance was the epitome. Let me just be clear about this, because I'm no hater. I keep it honest. Her her performance to me, was the epitome of what a a supporting actor nomination would warrant. You know, like Cuba Gooding Jr. and Jerry Maguire was buffoonery. In no way to me did that require an Academy Award, or let alone, you know, even a nomination for that matter. But Lapita, it was like when she she wasn't a main actress, but, you know, when she was on screen, she killed those scenes and for me, that was the epitome. Monique, even. I can't even hate on her. You know what I mean? Like, she deserved that Oscar for Precious. Anyone who says otherwise, they didn't see the movie or are not familiar with acting. Like, those are scenes that Jamie Foxx deserved it for Ray. Denzel Washington deserved that supporting actor nomination for Glory or that award for Glory. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I had no issue with the performances uh, but for me, I mean, that, so there's that. I mean, that's not even, that's just kind of how I feel about that. My issue is not with that. Uh, my issue was and is with the Academy and what they, it, it's it's all a setup, guys. Like, I don't under, I don't think you guys understand. It's not some, you know, uh, secret organization as they would have you believe that sits around and secretly tabulates these these the votes and the results of the the voting and you know to determine who's going to win it's all predetermined it's all predetermined it's all influenced and in being used to influence and further the agenda of whatever's going on at that moment you know in, in society you know and i just want to throw some names out there for you guys because nothing should surprise you from going from now on and going forward. Like all you have to look at is the overall agenda, which is to have us look like buffoons and monkeys and ignorant, you know, and things like that. When you look at the last several African American winners, you know, of the Academy of Academy Awards, just gonna throw some names out there. Obviously Denzel Washington, what did he win for? In in glory, he won for an ignorant you know, I mean, for lack of a better, it's an ignorant slave. You know what I'm saying? Django, that movie itself was, you know, was about slavery. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> 12 years of slave, rewarded for slavery. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but not just that, though. It's not just the overall slavery roots, obviously, recognizing, you know, by by Hollywood. Um, Halle Berry. 
You know, if you guys haven't noticed, I mean, I don't know how more clear it could be. There is an attempt, and has been an attempt, an ongoing attempt, to show us as African-American women, or I should say portray African-American women as the rich white man's whore. Okay, that is something that has been in effect for centuries. Okay, it's like the the foreseeable past has been nothing but that by Hollywood to portray us, the men, as drug dealers, criminals, thugs, buffoons, the women as whores, prostitutes, women with no respectability, the white man's whore. You look at Kerry Washington, you know what I'm saying, scandal. You look at Kerry Washington as Broomhilda. You know what I'm saying? In uh, in Django, the rich white man's whore. She's Hollywood's it girl right now. It's no coincidence. Halle Berry, the white man's whore in Monsters Ball, talking about some make me feel good. You know, one of the most explicit sex scenes in the history of cinema. You know, is is what Halle Berry won the award for best actress and became the first black actress to win that award for being the white man's whore. Lapita. Lapita Iyango. The rich white man's whore. Okay. Jennifer Hudson. You know what I'm saying? Like the very I don't know if you guys saw Dream Girls, but the role that she played was not a respectable role. Like she clearly had some issues in the film. Ghetto, loud, you know what I mean? Uh Monique. I mean, do, I mean I don't think we need to even go there. You know what I mean? I mean I, I think you guys should be seeing a pattern by now. Uh Cuba Gooding Junior, a buffoon, an athlete. That's all we're good for, is being athletes and, you know, criminals and you know what I'm saying? Jamie Foxx, a singer, an entertainer. A drug addict. You know what I'm saying? And Ray. Denzel Washington. Training day. A corrupt, ignorant, violent cop. I mean, do you guys understand? I mean, seriously. The the roles that we should win for, we don't win for. The roles that you know, where there's a message to be sent, that's what they give it to. It's not about, okay, and I'm not taking anything away from the performances. But if you, I mean, there are a lot of great performances. Look at, I mean, for real, for real, if y'all really want to be real with it, I mean, there's really no way, no way really in hell that Halle Berry should have a Best Actress Award before Angela Bassett. Okay, there's no way. That's crazy. There's no way Monique should have an Academy Award before Angela Bassett. No way. Or Cicely Tyson, you know what I mean? Or some of these other, you know, iconic actresses who just, you know what I'm saying, never really got to that level. It's not right. But if you, but you, I just I just want you guys to understand what it is. The Academy Awards are not for us. I mean, like, on you know, you look at it, they're not for for us as Christians because of what they resent, uh, represent, uh, and they're not for us as African Americans. It's not designed for us. It's designed to, to 
We are a pawn in the overall agenda. The agenda is to keep us divided, is to keep us oppressed. The Academy Awards, yeah, they give out awards, but just to say, okay, we're going to make history. You know, we're going to make history at your expense. We're going to build a legacy at your expense. We're going to develop a listing of people who have won awards for furthering our agenda. I mean, look, at even even 3-6 Mafia, 6-6-6 Mafia has an Academy Award for Best Song. The only rap group in, in history to ever win an Academy Award is the 666 Mafia. Oh, oh, that's probably just a coincidence, you know what I mean? Don't worry about that. That's just a, you know, another little coincidence. Right. Like I said, they pick and choose who they give these awards to and why they give them. So, again, not to take anything away from Miss Lapita, who is a very beautiful woman. See, I think that's where people, you know, they, they misconstrue a lot of times. It's like... Because they, they want to love her and they want to embrace her because she's one of us, because she's she's humble. They don't understand the industry, though. They don't understand what it takes to be the new it girl, the new face of Hollywood, to get up on that stage and give the emotional speech. Everybody wants to talk about the emotional speech, but they don't understand how you get to be even in that movie. How you even get to be cast how you know how do you get chosen there's a something there's something that happens guys i know the industry and you guys should too by now okay there are things that have to be done there are sacrifices that have to be made both literally and figuratively okay i don't know if any of you guys caught the oscar logo last night did you notice anything interesting about it yeah i saw when you posted it the um the pyramid I noticed that. I mean, and I've been watching the Oscars for years. That's something new, you know, this year. Just watch it, guys. Go, you know, go into your wallet, go into your pocketbook, turn over your dollar bill. Okay, look at the the pyramid with the eye of Horus, you know, and then look at the Oscar. If you look at the strategic, you know, it's now it's it's very pointy in the shape of a pyramid, and if you look at how the little indentation it, it you know it, they want you to think that oh it's just a creative way of putting the a there but if you look at it it's actually that little part of the the a is represent representative of the the actual i i mean i, I shouldn't even have to explain that but if you can, i don't know if you can't see it, i don't even know you know we don't even need to be talking just go go watch basketball wise of la on your dvr or something you know what i'm saying because it's like I, if you can't see it by now i don't you know what i'm saying i can't tell you i can't tell you anything one of the things I said online last night was I remember a time when I used to care who won the Academy Awards, but then I realized that it doesn't matter and that it's only indicative of an allegiance to an industry that no one who calls himself a Christian should want to be a part of. And this is what the Word says. It says that being loved by the world makes you an enemy of God. You know, And, and that's where I think a lot of people... I think that's where the disconnect is, um, is that they don't understand that scripture. They don't understand what, what being loved by the world means. You know, when you really break down and dissect the, the definition of a celebrity, you know, you really have to look at it from the perspective and, and say, wait a minute, to be a celebrity, that means you're, you, you're, you're loved, it means you have fans. You know, on a like millions of fans on a national level, on an international level, 
That's the whole reason you're a celebrity, because people like you, people love you, they want to see you, they support you. Okay, when you are loved by the world, which is evil, which is not just evil, but it's controlled by people who are evil and who represent evil. So if you subscribe and you do the things that are necessary to be loved by the world, to be on those front pages of the newspapers and the magazines and the cameras and walk the red carpet, well, that's what the word is speaking of. You're being loved by the world, which makes you an enemy of God. A lot of people, they don't want to believe that because believing that would make them have to look at themselves and wait and say, whoa, I like them. I'm actually one of the people who loves them. Why? Because it's what I said earlier on in tonight's show. Because of the lack of uh, the relationship with God that they have personally, it's I'm going to live vicariously through Lapita. I'm going to live vicariously through Jennifer Hudson, through Monique. You know, but you got to realize, because if you embrace that scripture, as we all should, because it's scripture, you can't, you know what I'm saying, you're not going to be as ready to say, well, dang, I don't love them anymore because they're loved by the world and I love God, because that would mean that you'd have to go back to being unhappy with yourself. Because you can't, that would mean you can no longer idolize them. You can no, no longer live vicariously through someone who's an enemy of God. Because if you love someone who's an enemy of God, that would in fact make you an enemy of God. And we can't have that. Right, Courtney? Yes, you're going in. But that's, I mean, it's, it's so true. I think um, people want to believe that talent alone got them there. You know, because they're talented um, entertainers. That was enough, and it's not. Or just because this um, actress looks like you, looks a lot like you, then that means that they can do no wrong. But, I mean, it's we have to call it for what it is. I have no problem accepting, you know, how it is in, you know, in the entertainment industry. I don't. Right. It doesn't even make sense. You know what I'm saying? And I would I mean I just look at these people, I'm just like, wow, man, I mean like okay, they have Bradley Cooper and you know, The Rock. I mean, so many people, everybody, you know, they show their allegiance. You know, Pharrell comes out with you know, what what color scheme, Courtney? What color scheme do it for the millionth time do I mean, I guess it's just a coincidence. What color scheme was it? What did he have on last night? I didn't really watch it, but I'm sure it was some um combination of red, black, white, silver, something like that. Bright red shoes, you know, gray jeans, black and white, Adidas jacket, you know what I mean, ridiculous buffoonish black hat. I mean, that is just the epitome. I mean, from I mean, that just screams Illuminati symbolism for anyone who knows it. Blatant satanic symbolism. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, it's just a I mean, come on, every single celebrity. I mean, at some point you guys gotta like, wow, it's like, you know, <laughs> at some point you have to really take a look. Now, I, I, posed the, uh, I posted a picture of Lapita, you know, in the group. And listen, guys, like I said, I, I take nothing away from her. You know what I mean? She's a great actress. That was a great performance. Okay? I'm not a hater. But, I mean, I don't, I mean, did you see the pictures? I mean, do you see what she represents? Do you see her, you know, the covering of the of the left eye, the throwing up of the 666 sign? I mean, that is what 
is required to be a celebrity, as we know it, as society knows it. I mean, people were actually, there was a young woman in the Friends group actually debating, you know, she clearly was new, but actually debating, like, oh, that, what does that mean? Like, what the heck do you think it means? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, at what point do people just, well, I guess the Bible does say, I mean, that people will not want to hear this type of information, but so I guess there will never be a time where people just on a large scale embrace it, but we as Christians have to do our job to what? Expose it, right? Expose evil. What? Most importantly, to have nothing to do with evil, but and then to expose the evil. Did anybody see the young woman who was uh, singing? I forget her name. She had a, a you know a, a different like a kind of a foreign name, but she was singing the song towards the end, throwing it up. She's constantly throwing up like a million different times. You, you know what I'm talking about, Courtney? Yes, I saw that. She did it so much. It was so blatant. I mean, it was blatant. I mean, that's what I'm saying, guys. I mean, how more blatant could it be? I mean, she's just, like, doing it ridiculously. Anybody catch Robin, uh, what's his name, Robin Wright, Robin, the, the cancer survivor from uh, Good Morning America, hosted the uh, the uh, pre-show, throwing it up blatantly. Like She's like, okay, guys, so we're just going to wrap up, and all right, we'll see you guys on the you know, at the Academy Awards. Bam, like, blatantly. Like, oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? There it is. I guess people didn't see. I guess people just, oh, that's just, you know, she's just saying this is a good presentation. This is A-OK. No, that's not what it is. But, no, seriously, guys, I just want you guys, you know, and this is what we want to talk about. You know, I just want to continue to educate, you know. I don't, we don't talk about this stuff often, but when we do, you know, I try to, you know, let people know what it is. All right? There's a word uh, in in Scripture that pertains to idolization. You know, and and the uplifting of of celebrities. This is what God says. This is deep. I posted this on my page. Didn't look. I mean, people didn't seem to want to hear this, and and rightfully so because that would mean self reflection. You know, go on my page. I mean, my page has been getting a lot of different you know topics going on, and I posted this, and it was crickets. But and when you hear me read it now, you'll see why, based on what we're talking about tonight. It says, "Come now, you rich." You know, you weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who moved your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You fatten your hearts in a day of slaughter. That's in James 5, 1-6. I don't think a lot of people realize just how deep that is. You know, what does this sound like to you, Courtney? I mean, does this sound like what we see from the quote-unquote entertainment industry, from these celebrities who are fattening their hearts, who are laying up treasures, you know what I'm saying, in a day of judgment? Yes. I mean, you see that all the time. It's their very 
flashy. They're always showing off, you know, their celebrity status and how much money they make and, you know, what cars they drive. And, you know, just looking at it, I mean, if you didn't know any better, you would think that, you know, they're just living on top of the world and just everything is just going to be great for them. But, you know, God is letting, you know, those people know and letting you know that, you know, that's only going to last but for so long because those treasures and all of those things, that will eventually come to an end. Right, and, you know, and I think one of the things that people have to realize is that, I mean, this is that lifestyle is not for us. A lot of times people think that, okay, well, whatever, you know, yeah, there's, they're talented, so, you know, that's what is owed to them, that's what's due to them. But that's actually not how it's supposed to be. I mean, it says right here as far as the, uh, you know, how God views, you know, the rich. I mean, it says right here, your riches have rotted and your garments are mothy. You know, your gold and your silver have corroded, and the corrosion will be evidence against you, you know, basically on Judgment Day. Say you've laid up your treasure in the last days, basically saying what kind of sense does that make? You're saving stuff when it does, it won't even matter because it's the last days. You know, and so, I, but that's not all the word says. Bible, that's speaking specifically to the rich. But this next scripture that I have is speaking to the people who look up to them, the people who idolize them, the people who want to be them, the people who live vicariously through them. Bible says, do not toil to acquire wealth. Don't bust your butt to get rich. Don't try to get rich or die trying. It says, do not toil to acquire wealth. Don't sweat it. Don't worry about it. It says to be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it's gone. For it suddenly sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Basically what it is is, I mean, if you guys, it's pretty much self-explanatory, but what I take from that is, it's like, don't worry about it. It's not that serious. Don't stress yourself out trying to be one of them because that life is going to end in ruin, as we just heard in the previous scripture. But it says, as soon as you get it, or as soon as you're close to getting it, it's gone. This is just like that. It's gone. As soon as you think you have it, it's gone. It says, it just as soon as you have it, it sprouts wings and flies away. And then you're always chasing it. You ever notice these celebrities, guys? They're always chasing something. They're always trying to get more. They're always, they're, Jay-Z, he's talking about, you know, he says, I'm already the goat. Next stop is a Billy. Right? Which is, which is ironically, is actually, the, is actually true. He is the greatest rapper of all time, you know, from a hip-hop perspective. You know what I mean? From a commercial uh, standpoint. So he says, already the goat. So that's not enough. You guys see that? He's, he's, he, I mean, at some, when you're the greatest of all time at what you do, you've already made millions. You've already made more money than any other rapper. You've already had more albums, more success, more platinum. You're already the GOAT. You're already the greatest of all time. But that's not enough for him. He says next stop is a Billy. He wants to be that billionaire. He wants to have that status. He says, but, you see, you never, you, when, the, when, the, when the, the riches, when the fame Right when you think you have enough, it, it sprouts wings. Funny thing is, I had to catch myself several years ago. 
because I almost became obsessed with what Courtney was talking about earlier, chasing the fame, chasing the riches, chasing the fortune. You guys heard all the celebrities. I mean, how we had a celebrity, a different celebrity on the show every single week. You know what I'm saying? We've, we, there's never been a show that is not commercial, that is not like mainstream over the last 10 years that's had more celebrities than me. Like, and when I, we were, you remember, Courtney, when Monique was on her, when she had her show, you know, when people like, you know, uh, trying to think, well, I mean, Monique would probably be the best example, but like we were getting those same types of guests. You know what I'm saying? Drew Hill, the OJs, Jagged Edge, the every you know the the most popular reality show star. Like they were all on this show, and and it, that's that was for me my ticket. You know what I'm saying? But then when you have, but you see what I'm saying, guys? This show, if you look at it, is is vastly different now than it was a few years ago, and that's because I had to stop myself because I saw the wings sprouting. I saw myself chasing something that, interestingly enough, was unattainable, as as the word confirms. That's why you see these celebrities killing themselves. That's why you see these entertainers taking so many drugs. Because, you you know, you win an Oscar, you want to win again. Look at Leo. Does Leonardo DiCaprio actually look happy to you, Courtney? No, he is miserable, and you can tell. He I mean, wants the really... fame. Like, I'll keep going. Oh no, no, go ahead. You say he wants the fame. Well, I shouldn't say fame because he he already has that. But um, he wants the, the Oscar. It's like this insatiable desire. He keeps putting out movies each and every year, like consistently. You know, simply to put himself in a position to win an Oscar. And you can tell, aside from that, he just does not look good. Like when he takes pictures, he just does not look happy. Right, and that's that's very true. I mean, and he's already one of the greatest actors of his generation. That's not, you know, even a question, you know. And I think that, and he he even said, I mean, Ellen even made a joke about it. She was like, "Oh yeah, last time I was here, you know, uh, Leonardo was, you know, getting, uh, you know, nominated for Oscars, basically making, this, you know, making a joke about the fact that he wasn't nominated. And he's making movie after movie after movie. You can tell he wants that award. And but uh, my point is. When you're already winning the grace and you're still chasing and chasing and chasing, even if he wins, he'll still be chasing. That's the whole point. And when you, as depending on the person, depending on the celebrity, when you get to that realization that, wow, you know what, I'm never going to get there because it's unattainable, what the hell, let me just go ahead and kill myself. Let's go ahead and just take these pills. You know. And there's something else going on also, guys, I mean, which I don't even really want to get too deep into, but... You know, there's a reason why, I mean, I've seen a number of different movies. I'll put it like this. Um, Hollywood is pretty good at, um, you know, showing what's actually going on, but presenting it in a fictional manner. And, you know, when you look at movies like The Hunger Games, you know, when you, where you look at, you know, there was a movie I saw a long time ago. I think it was like a made-for-TV movie. It was called The Lottery. If you guys ever get a chance to, to watch it somehow, you know, really check it out. Because there's something going on in Hollywood. I'm not even going to pretend to be an insider or know exactly how it worked. But there's some really weird stuff going on, really demonic stuff going on that's resulting in, in a lot of deaths. Okay, a lot of deaths. And I believe it's 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 very much so by chance. 
You know, it's very much so in the way of a lottery. You know, it's, you know, we're going to pick, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to get too deep into it, but really pray about that, guys. Really do some research on, on, you know, how, you know, different things from a sacrificial standpoint have gone on for thousands of years um, amongst the elite, amongst the rich, and amongst the powerful. And anyone would be very naive, very naive to think that all of a sudden, in 2014, and even in this century, you know, that those types of things have just stopped. They've gone on for thousands of years, for hundreds of years. Let's just stop. You know, it just goes, no, it doesn't just go away. It changes, but it doesn't go away. It's deep stuff. One of the things that the Bible also says is, you know, in Matthew 19:24, again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. What does that scripture mean to you, Courtney? That's one of my favorite ones. Um, basically, in a nutshell, it it says that, you know, the people that we see, you know, in the entertainment industry, the, the rich and the wealthy, all of those people, you know, their chances of getting to heaven is just very slim to none because of who they serve you know, because of the things that they stand for, what they did to get to that point. None of it is of God. So for, you know, to say that they are going to heaven, that, I mean, like the, the scripture said it, it's easier for, you know, a camel to get an eye through the eye of a needle. So it's actually interesting. You know, it's it's actually kind of funny, to be honest with you, because people will see that, you know, even I mean, that particular, I mean, so many scriptures, but that one, which is probably to me one of the most cut and dry scriptures you know, that you, you will ever see in the Bible. But yet, you know, because of what we've been talking about all night, you know, people don't want to believe that because of what it would mean for how they would then be forced to view themselves. You know, if you look at it and say, wow, they're not going to heaven, but I call myself a Christian, but yet I still love Beyonce. I still love uh, Kerry Washington. I now love Lapita. It's like, well, whoa, wait a minute. I, I just Googled, you know, Halle Berry's, and I just Googled Beyonce's net worth, and, you know, according to my calculations, that would classify them as being rich. And the word says that if you're rich, basically you're not going to heaven. So, I mean, so what does that mean then? Does that mean you stop loving them? Does that mean you stop idolizing them? Unfortunately, I mean, common sense would tell you, well, yeah, that's what you should do. You know, but for many people, they will still see the scripture, they will still see, you know, the net worth, and they will still continue to idolize them. You know what I'm saying? And and clearly, that's a sin, which is going to separate them from God, which is going to perpetuate the negativity and the misery. I'm just saying, this, this is this is all very much so real. Uh, let's switch it up a little bit, you know. But this is deep. This is deep stuff, guys. We're talking about a lot of stuff. This is our post Oscar recap talking about 12 years a slave, talking about Martin Luther King, what he represented. You know, in fact, uh, shout out to Katrina. I meant to uh, comment on this earlier. She she reminded me that um, that uh, Octavia Spencer, you know, who actually won an Oscar for playing a maid in, uh, you know, down south, you know, in the help. You know, and... It, Basically, not not necessarily a slave, but I mean, I think you guys get the point. 
And so that's what I'm saying. The list just goes on and on and on and on. It perpetuates. I mean, really, honestly, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who uh, of color who won an Oscar, you know, for playing someone with, with, with respectability. I mean, you look at the opportunities they had and the people who are actually deserving of it. You look at, like I said, Angela Bassett. I mean, to be real with you guys, I'm very much so surprised that Lawrence Fishburne didn't win for uh, What's Love Got to Do With It. He was nominated for playing Ike Turner. I'm that's in you know in retrospect. I mean, at, in that moment, I wasn't really surprised. But now that I look back and now that I understand what the agenda is, I'm actually surprised they didn't make an example, you know, of him and just kind of throw him into the mix. You know, why not give him? You know, one of the things. Speaking of Ike, I meant to post this on Facebook, and I'll do that at some point, probably tomorrow or so. But I wonder how uh, Tina Turner feels about. Jay-Z and Beyonce making a mockery of one of the most emotionally uh, draining and hurtful periods of her life. You know, a lot of people like to say, oh, eat the cake, anime, eat the cake, anime. I mean, that's not a joke. This was a woman who was in an, an abusive relationship with her husband. I mean, this was someone who like punched her in the face, who abused her and her children, took her, took all she had, left her with nothing, and this is a, an ordeal that went on for her for many years, and I'm sure she still is emotionally scarred from from it. And now we have someone like Beyonce who claims to look up to her, who clearly was influenced by her, but making music. That makes a mockery of one of the most painful parts of her life, and, and we. Ha- but not just that, because we know what she represents. We know the ignorance of JC. We know the ignorance of Beyonce. But so many people who claim to be familiar with their roots, who claim to be, you know, educated on their history, they support this stuff. They actually embrace it. They sing the lyrics along like it's a joke. Do you think Tina Turner's laughing about that line, Courtney? I know she's not. She's not. You know what I'm saying? Clearly not. And and it's not the type of thing where we should think that's funny. We were just talking about the other night, you know, on the show. We were talking about gun violence, just the ignorance of many African Americans who think certain things are okay that are clearly not okay. You understand that? And... um you know, I think that we just have to do better. You know, I think we have to do better as a people. Uh, what else can we talk about tonight, man? Martin Luther King would not be okay with that. I mean, you guys know that, right? You know, these are things that as we talk about Martin Luther King and, you know, Malcolm X and, you know, Megar Evers, you know, even Emmett Till. I mean, these are, see, you guys got to look at stuff. I mean, Martin Luther King fought against the system. Malcolm X was killed because he fought against the system, right? I mean, these are people who are oppressed and who are beaten and kicked and stabbed, you know? I mean, aside from the fact oppressed by their own people, Martin Luther King was stabbed by a black woman. Malcolm X was killed by a black man or black men, you know, but forget all that. You understand? These are, I mean, these are people who fought the system, People compare 
Barack Obama to Martin Luther King, which to me is is a travesty. Martin Luther King fought against the system. Barack Obama is the system. You know what I'm saying? Barack Obama represents the system that is and has always oppressed us as a people. This is not someone who's fighting to help us. This is someone who's passing laws to continue to enslave us. This health care bill isn't positive. This isn't something designed to help people. That's how it's being marketed. But you can't take a group of people who have not asked for something, tell them you have to have it, and when they express an interest to not have it, say we're going to penalize you for not having what you never even asked for in the first place, and then have the audacity to say we're doing this to try to help you. That's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. Go drive your car. Go try to drive down the street without insurance. You know, you get that livestock. Tow your car. You know what I'm saying? Get that livestock. That's like the equivalent. Just like you have to have car insurance, you get pulled over, you have to, you better call Safe Auto. Right? Now you that's basically the equivalent of this, this new Affordable Health Care Act. You gotta have medical insurance and if you don't, you're gonna be penalized. You're gonna be fined. It's the same thing. And the same just like these insurance companies are getting rich and have been getting rich. You know, by you not getting into accidents and you're just paying this ridiculous premium every uh you know, every year. It's the same thing with medical. You know what I'm saying? If you don't go to the doctor, guess what? You still gotta have insurance, you still gotta pay. Well, I don't really go to the doctor, I was cool without having insurance. Well, guess what? <laughs> now you gotta pay. And if you don't pay, you get charged the annual fee. I'm just asking, Courtney, does that seem fair to you? No, that's not fair at all. It's not fair. But then again, he does not care <laughs> um, about us, you know, or, or the country or anything. This is all about him and pursuing his own interests and, um, you know, the people that sign his checks. That's really what it's all about. But let other people tell it he's a second coming. You know, he, you know, they treat him like he's Jesus Christ. They, you know, put him on a pedestal. This restaurant they had, like, a framed picture of Obama, and then it was, like, a scripture, um, like, next to his name or something. Like, basically saying that he was, like, um, I don't know, like, Jesus Christ. They were, that's what they were trying to say. And that's ridiculous. Like, but they don't, but they want to overlook things like this medical bill and, and how inconvenient and costly it is to people that didn't have the money to begin with to afford it. Like, people just want to forget about that stuff. Right. One of the things I was watching, um, I, I watch a lot of shows on Netflix, and I watch stuff on on demand. Now, you guys have to realize something. BT is is a very in in comparison to like network other networks like NBC, ABC, Fox. You know, really so many other stations. It, it pales in comparison. You know, the ratings are not at all. You know, or even on that level. Um, and so, like the most successful show on BT wouldn't last even a half a season on NBC or ABC, okay? Now, if you go on Comcast, I don't know if you guys have Comcast or what, but if you click on On Demand, at least as of yesterday, Being Mary Jane was one of the featured shows on Comcast homepage. And I was just wondering, like, wow, that's that's interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like, of all these shows, you know, like, why would Being Mary Jane, which is, 
on no, not even one anywhere close to being one of the highest rated shows on television. I'm just curious, why would that be like one of the featured shows? Well, reason being because it features, you know, a black woman who plays a whore, right? An adulterous whore. That's basically the premise of the show. Same as Scandal, you know, same as a lot of these shows. You know, and so one of the things I said online was that the two most popular shows in the black community feature adulterous, scandalous whores. And I said, Dr. King, not only did he fight to get those images removed from from society, I said he would roll over in his grave if he saw this current state of black television. I mean, I see, see, maybe I'm just a little bit different, because I grew up with only about two or three shows that we were even allowed to watch. The Cosby Show, A Different World, and I'll Fly Away. Now, we were able to watch Roots when it came on. We watched that whole series. But there were, like, literally a handful of shows that I, w- I was even allowed to watch, you know, because my parents shielded us from that type of foolishness and buffoonery. And I told you all before, we weren't even allowed to watch In Living Cover. We were, we were at first able to watch it, but once they started tripping, once they started getting all crazy, they were like, nope, turn it off, and that was it. You know, but I'll fly away. A lot of people, you, that, that was probably before your time, right, Courtney? No, I remember that show. They okay. had a cute yeah. little girl. Yeah. Yeah, like that was a classic show, you know, and it's sad, unfortunately, guys, we will never see a show like that ever again. You know what I'm saying? Never. And the reason because those days are over, you know, where like the the, the days of shows like Fresh Prince, you know, Cosby Show, the Parenthood, Family Matters, you know, those types of shows, that's not, you know, it was good for a period, but now it's all about, you know, these are the last days, so, you know, they got to do what they got to do before they get us out of here. I mean, it's all about making a mockery of us, you know, showing us to be buffoons and ignorant and, and, and adulterers and things like that, and that's that's, basic, that's basically, you know, what it what it's for. You know, and so... <clears throat> I just would like to encourage everybody to not support, you know, the. I mean, and here's the thing. I'm not. It's not about because I'm not ignorant. A lot of people is, they always laugh when they say, "Well, you know, I support this and I support that." You know, this is what, you know, because I'm black, I support pop, you know black shows and I support black movies. Look, guys, there's no such thing as that. There's no such thing as black this, black that. Because when you start factoring in, you know, the producers. When you factor in the distributors, when you factor in the advertisers and the sponsors and the people who actually get paid, there's no such thing as as black films anymore. Not on not on a you know a, a Tyler Perry level, you know, not on you know what I'm saying like a national level. Now, if I go ahead and make a movie or something, yeah, that's a black film. Y'all can support this is you know, but I'm not. I'm talking about big business here. These are things like The Butler. That's not a black film. The Best Man, that's not a black film. These are film, white films with black actors in them. Look at the producers. Look look at the credits. See, a lot of people are oh, movie's off. Half the black people, they're out the door before the movie even freaking goes off. That's on a whole, don't get me started on that ignorance. I'm sitting up there trying to watch the film. Freaking niggas walking out the, the movie with like 10 minutes left. I mean, Courtney, don't act like you've never seen that. Yeah, <laughs> I have. I might have been one of those Listen, people at one point. Yo, I'm going I'm to I'm just pretend like I didn't just hear that last part. Now, what what the heck is that, though? Because I'm going to be real with you, and you guys can be real with yourselves also. Be honest. I've never seen 
like been in a white theater and seen white people do that. Never. Not in my 36 years of life, and most likely you have never either. That is a black thing. That is a nigger thing. And I'm so, I mean, that's on a whole other, like, unrelated tangent. You know what I'm saying? But, like, just sit your, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just <laughs> sit down. Seriously, the movie is not over because it's disruptive. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't take that long to get out of a movie once it's over. Like, all right, yeah, everybody gets up. You got to wait a couple seconds before you're able to. But, like, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, guys. Just relax. People are so ignorant. They'll get up and start walking around, and you're missing the end of the movie. Gosh, man, it's just ridiculous. Let alone, you know, forget the fact that they're talking all, you know what I mean, all throughout the film. That's why we don't even go to the black theaters anymore. And you're lying, too, if you say that you prefer going to the... And that's the thing. A lot of people say, oh, well, you, you must hate your race. No, I hate niggas. I don't hate my race because my race isn't exclusively consisted of, of of niggas. But I do hate niggas. Have you guys missed our special on that term and the definition of it, the the, the difference between positive black people versus ignorant niggas? Just Google that. It'll come right up. Listen to the realest show you ever hear, ever. But we got to start talking about the truth. But that's what I'm saying. Dr. King would roll over in his grave if he saw a lot of this stuff. Okay? One of the uh, things that he's most famous for, one of his quotes, one of my favorite Dr. King quotes, was, "Nothing nothing in the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscious, I'm sorry, uh, conscientious stupidity. You know, and, and I think that we need to embrace that way of thinking, you know, because a lot of times we, that's, we, we make excuses for ignorance. You know, we see people when there's an injustice against us, we see the protests, we see the, the riots, we see different things, but there's no protest about niggas walking around with their pants sacks. You know what I mean? That like you don't you don't see that, and I think that's what we need to focus on. All right, what else we got here to talk about? I want to talk more about um, you know more about Dr. King, more about Twelve Years a Slave, being a black man in a, in a white America. Did we miss anything in regards to the Oscars though? Because I, I mean, I think we we've spoken about it enough. I mean, I think that we got just about most of the things that I wanted to get out. Anything that was on your mind about the Oscars though that we didn't touch on? No. No, I feel like we um, covered, you know, the what, what needed to be talked about. I'll just put it that way. Right. You know, listen, guys, you know, and this is not, I don't want y'all to think we're bashing, because, again, as we said earlier, I mean, I'm happy for, you know, anyone who's who succeeds at their craft. and it's it, But it's just unfortunate, though, you know, that we, and it's even I mean, Obama is a great example of the same type of thing. I mean, we are seeking inclusion, with, you know, with things that aren't that we're not really supposed to be included in. You know, what I mean, it's just like and we as and I'm speak, when I say we, I mean one as African Americans, but then two as as Christians, because remember there are two different wars going on simultaneously. It's not about black versus white. It's on a, on a large scale, I mean that is the case, you know. But on a, what's more important 
and and more evident is the war against good versus evil, you know, Christians versus, you know, the enemy and followers of the enemy. All right. I mean, I mean, Courtney, you 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 clearly see it now, but back in the day, that was not your main focus. I'm sure it was more black versus white. Yeah, it was more black versus white. I used to think that um, everything was about race as opposed to um, class, as opposed to you know, but really what you were saying, good versus evil. And the reason I wasn't able to see it that way, just really because I didn't have a relationship with God, not at least a great one. So I wasn't able to make that connection. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to talk about just in regards to 12 Years a Slave was, um, well, a couple of things, actually. Um, 12 Years a Slave, you know, you know, obviously it's been getting a lot of attention. It's been getting a lot of press, which is evident of, you know, <laughs> what's been going on on a large scale. But aside from that, I mean, you look at the black community, and the black community is extra hype about this film. Everybody is extra hype about Lapita's performance. But let's just stop the BS. Let's stop fronting like you actually saw the movie. So you guys got to realize there's something called exit polls. You know, there are certain things just like similar to like the Nielsen ratings where they have a way of knowing like, okay, what, you know, where was this film most, what areas, what neighborhoods, you know, what was the main demographic that supported a certain type of uh, of film, and statistically, and I'm not claiming to even be you know privy to exactly how those figures are tabulated and different things like that, but I know they exist and I know that they're authentic. Look, guys, most black people didn't even watch the film. Most black people have not even seen Ali. Most black people didn't. Oh, I shouldn't say haven't seen it. Most people have seen it, whether on bootleg or. 10 years later, but I'm talking about that actually support it. Funny thing is people will say, well, yeah, I want to support. I'm going to go and support. But supporting, guys, is actually seeing a movie opening weekend. So because opening weekend, the opening weekend numbers are what determines whether or not a film will be considered a success or a failure. So if you're not really going to the movies to support something and you just say, oh, I'm going to wait for the DVD or something, I mean, that's not really supporting it, is it? And the reality is most black people have not even seen 12 Years a Slave. Most people are so hyped that Lapita won, but it's like you don't even know what she she could have been horrible in the film. You didn't even see it. I I mean, I posted about it. People were saying, well, yeah, you know, I fell asleep on it or, you know, I didn't really want to see it and da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, well, what the heck are you so hype about for? But you just jumped on the bandwagon? It's like black people talking about, oh, yeah, you know, Trayvon was a tragedy, but you didn't even watch the trial to know if it was a tragedy because you didn't even hear the facts. How do you know if he should have been found guilty if you didn't even watch the trial to hear what the facts were revealed? You know, you're so happy about Barack Obama being in, in office, but you didn't even vote. So what role did you really play? What do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's the epitome of ignorance. Like, with me, I... I wanted to see it just because it was a movie about us. It was a movie about our history. So I was like, you know what? You know, I want to go check that out. But I'm not going to sit there and hype something up that I didn't even see. But every Tyler Perry movie that comes out, you know, those 
those numbers are crazy. You know, you know about last night. Everybody's hype about that. Everybody's hype about Ride Along. Oh yeah, let's go see Kevin Hart. But I mean, more, I mean, I'm just being. Y'all know that more black people saw Ride Along than saw Twelve Years a Slave, right? I mean, I just want y'all, y'all know that, right? That's a fact. Do you see a problem with that? Yeah, I do. And I remember saying, remember, um, well, maybe you don't, but I said that when I went to go see 12 Years a Slave, I was the only black person in the theater. Yeah, I Literally. That. Yeah. I and I, 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 I don't know why I expected more, but <laughs> but literally it was just me. And, um, yeah, mostly um, white people supported that. Black people won't go see 12 Years a Slave, but everybody's hype about Partition, driver, roll up the partition, please. I don't need the driver seeing me on my knees. Everybody's hype about that. The most, be clear, that is one of the most hoish songs in the history of music. And that is what is supported, you know, on a much larger scale than, say, Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom, or Winnie uh, Winnie Mandela, you know, those types of films. You know, it's just it's just absolutely ridiculous. And we have to do better. We have to do better as a as a people. You know what I'm saying? You know, and this is not stuff that people can disagree with. This isn't, you know, subjective. Like you know we need to do better. Like there's no debate necessary. You know what I mean? Like if you think that that type of stuff is okay, you know, mothers, married women talking about being on their knees, swallowing semen, you know, I can't keep my hands off your your fatty. Can't keep my fingers off. A lot of people didn't miss that. They missed that part. That's like the first line of the song. He's talking. About, I can't. I'm sitting there thinking, why can't I keep my fingers off? Like, what type of? We just, just groping. You know, him in public. Like, what kind of? And women think that's okay to talk about. I mean, if that if you're married, you're married. You know, but don't. That's not. You've never heard me talk about my sex life. Uh, you know, with my wife, and you'll never hear my wife talk about our sex life. You know what I'm saying? It's just that's not what respectable women do. You know what I mean? I mean, have you noticed that, guys? You guys noticed that? You look at the you know people like my, you know my relationship and other people's relationships that you would view and like, wow, okay, they have a great relationship. You don't see hoish behavior. Only with people like you know Beyonce and men like Jay Z. You know what I'm saying? I was watching. Uh, I don't even want to talk. I was going to talk about Kanye West. Hey, you guys, you don't watch the Kardashians, do you? No. Yeah, you know, I'm. I, we've been. I've been watching over the years, and I was this last uh, week they uh, showed Kanye West proposing, and you know I've been seeing a lot of Twitter things and Facebook posts and. You know, people get so excited about, you know, I guess he rented out, you know, the the stadium and had the orchestra playing and had her blindfolded and the family was there. I mean, it's really sad that, that people, you know, are looking up to the wrong things. I mean, they're looking at the actual proposal. They're looking at the ring. They're not looking at the person in which these things are coming from. I mean, this is someone who calls himself Jesus, right? I mean, this is like, I mean, he's a psycho. You know, on one hand, people will 
talk about him and say he's crazy and this and that, but then they'll look at what he does and be like, oh, my gosh, I want to be like Kim Kardashian. The irony is that that's why people love Kim Kardashian is because of what she's achieved and what that means for them living vicariously through her. But they're not looking at, like, wait a minute, I just got finished updating my status about how crazy Kanye West is. You can't have it both ways. You can't want what Beyonce has, but then look at what Jay-Z represents in the blasphemy and be like, oh, no, nah, he's clearly not a Christian. He's not a man of God. In fact, he represents Satan, but then idolize Beyonce and say, oh, yeah, she's a married woman, as if being married to a Satanist is any in any way a good thing. One of the things I said on Facebook the other day is that respectability and class is the only form of beauty or sexiness. You guys have to realize that. You can't be sexy if you don't have class. You can't be beautiful if you don't have respectability. Anything outside of that makes you a hoe, makes you slutty. There was a time where you felt like, Courtney, you could be beautiful or sexy without necessarily being classy. Right, I did. I thought that, you know, the less clothes I wore, you know, the sexier I was or the more beautiful I would be perceived. You know, that's that's what I used to, to think. So when men used to look at me and, you know, give me those lustful stares, I would, you know, mistake that for them thinking I was just truly beautiful instead of just viewing me as a whore. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what it is. A lot of women, and I always say, never mistake. This will be in my new book coming out this summer, How to Win the Heart of an Elite Man in 365 Days or Less. Definitely look out for it. A lot of women will think that, <clears throat> you 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 know, there's something classier, there's something respectable, there's something desirable about being lusted after by men. Because in their minds, that you know, lust and attention equates to genuine interest. But that's what I always say. Never confuse the uh, the lust of a man for the genuine uh, affection and attention of a man and interest of a man. You know, attention is just that, attention. It could be sexual attention. It could be lustful attention. He might just want to tap that ass. doesn't mean that he wants to marry you. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. It's being real. Just because a man wants to have sex with you, doesn't mean he has any intention of having a future with you. I think I may need to post that on Facebook. Because a lot, of, a lot of women don't get that. And then because of the situation, maybe because of how you carry yourself, most men are going to be very selective and strategic about how they go about getting that sex. Right? I mean, most women, some women you can, but most women you can't just walk up to and you're like, yo, hey, you know, what's up, give me some sex. You know, what's up? When are you going to let me smash? Some women you can basically, you know, blatantly say that to. But most women, you know, you got to you gotta sugarcoat it a little bit. You got to wrap it up in a nice little bow. You got to blow their heads up a little bit. You know, so, but don't mistake that for him just wanting the sex. Okay. One of the things that, before we get off the Oscars, I had a, you know, a quick uh, observation. You know, now, let me just say this. I'm not a hater. I, I think Lapita is an attractive woman. I, and not so much at first, but then when I really looked at her, I saw her. I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah, she's kind of attractive. Um, and I thought that she was, I do believe that she was very attractive in that red dress. I don't. I think it was the SAG Awards. That dress, was. She, that was a nice dress. But I'm a firm believer 
of women wearing what is flattering on you. Okay, ladies? Like, if you know that you're a big girl, you know, you can still be sexy, you know, but you don't don't try to wear something like you're thick. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're fat, you're fat. I mean, don't, you know, and you can work on that fatness, but don't try to market yourself like you're thick when you're really fat. And same thing, but when and when you're skinny, you know, don't try to do things to make it look like you're voluptuous. And that, for me, you know, I could, you know, evidently, I know a lot of people, maybe I'm just one of the only people to be real about it. I didn't think that dress last night on Lapita uh, actually was very flattering for her. You know, I just, it, you know, the, the red dress was perfect for her. It was very fitting, but... You get what I'm saying, Corey? Do you see why I would say that that dress last night was not the the most flattering? On, I mean, she didn't look horrible, but I just didn't think that was the best look for someone with a uh, with with uh, maybe a uh, wearing an A cup, you know? Uh, right. Uh, yeah. A, an A minus. She had on the A minus bra size. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Did you, did you really just say that? <laughs> she had A negative. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Hey, leave her alone. <laughs> but I'm saying, do you think that that was that was the best dress for 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 her? No, no, that that did nothing. She she should have had that part covered. Um, yeah, it shouldn't have been plunging like that. It really wasn't even a neckline. It was just, you know, yeah, I don't even think it had a neckline. It was just she was just out there, but. Yeah, it didn't. It did not flatter her at all. At, at all. I mean, it was like. I mean, I'm just surprised that somebody didn't say that to her. Like, yeah. I mean, she's a pretty girl. Because I'm, and me, ironically, I'm actually a fan of petite women. I have nothing against petite women. I mean, I, you know, my wife is a petite woman. I mean, I, I've always dated petite women. You know, that's my type is is petite women. Shape similar to uh, Lapita, maybe a little, little bit more curves. Actually, not maybe, but definitely a little bit more. Curves. But you see what I'm saying? There's not an issue with that. But no, that dress wasn't flattering. But that, all that being said, um, I find it interesting that you know, specifically black women will look at women like Lapita uh, or or you know Viola Davis and be like, oh, you know, they're so beautiful, even Precious. Oh, yeah, they're so beautiful, and da da da. She's stunning and she's so gorgeous. But then they will actually go out and try to look like the opposite. And ironically, that's the main issue that black men have with black women is the fakeness. But then they have the audacity to put these black women up on these pedestals who come out being supernatural and super real. And it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I want to be like them, but they come out looking like Beyonce. How do you? How I mean. Which is it? I mean, who's actually stunning? Because for me, I, maybe I'm just the only one to keep it real, but how can two different people who look totally opposite be viewed as both being stunning? Like one is supernatural and super real and super radiant and embracing her natural beauty, and the other one is fake as a... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? About to make me cuss out here. Just fake. <laughs> fake from head to toe. How can both of them be equally stunning? It's a it's a rhetorical question because they can't. Fakeness is not sexy. The only true beauty is real beauty. And Lupita uh, Iyanglo is beautiful. Beyonce is not beautiful. I don't care what People magazine says. 
you never hear a, a a godly man, a Christian man, most period, really just most men, period, saying Beyonce is beautiful. That's a strictly woman thing. And I tell you guys every day, nobody is talking about her in these barbershops. She has never been on anybody's top five list that I've ever known or even in the conversation of beautiful women, to be 100% honest with you. You know, it's always the real women. It's always the women with that natural beauty. Not these Nicki Minaj fake wannabes, lace front wigs and, you know, braided up hair, looking crazy, women coming out looking like hoes. That's never been sexy. And so I just found it interesting that as if, you know, with all the attention that Lapita is getting and, and so many other these women, it's like, wow, okay, let me go out and do the opposite of that. What is that, Courtney? I mean, does that even make sense? Yeah, I mean, what I'll say is that I think that people, you know, people who do that, you know, they they want to embrace their natural beauty, and that's what they love about, you know, these celebrities like Lupita, like Viola, you know, because they they're confident, they're confident in their skin. And deep down, those people, you know, they look up to them and they they wish they could be comf- comfortable like them, but since they can't, and since you know, there's still some self-esteem issues there. They just say, "Ah, oh, forget it. I'll just look like Beyonce. I'll just throw on a wig. I'll just put on some extra light foundation that doesn't match my skin." You know, they'll do stuff like that instead of being comfortable. Absolutely, it's interesting. Um, one of the things that, like, I don't even really blame the women, you know, for, you know, for adopting a way of thinking that that's beautiful. Because I blame the men. I blame these these niggas out here, these losers, these weirdos who go out of their way to blow these women's heads up to make them think, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, you've got a fat ass. You've got some nice breasts. You know, you've got a small waist. Yeah, you've got long hair. Not telling them, you know, the truth. Not telling them, like, yo, honestly, on the real, you got a fat butt. And I want to hit that from the back, but there's no way I would marry you or even think about taking you seriously or bringing you home to mom. That's the reality. A lot of these women are going out getting these tattoos, uploading their you know, their Instagram and, and Facebook, and then these men are commenting and giving it like 300 thumbs up. And so not only do those women see that, but other women see that. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, she got all the attention that I want to get, so let me go out and get a tattoo. Let me show my breasts off. Let me go ahead and poke my butt out. Okay, so I can get some attention that my father never gave me growing up as a child. So maybe if a guy on Facebook tells me I'm beautiful, that will take the place of my father being a deadbeat bastard. Well, guess what? It doesn't take the place of your father being a deadbeat bastard. Only Jesus Christ can take the place of that and give you that peace that you seek. You know, somebody hitting it from the back one good time, and you crying in while your face is buried in the pillow, that's not going to make you forget. That doesn't, don't, you see what I'm saying? Because I know what that's like. Women fighting back tears because they're giving sex to somebody just to be taken seriously, just to have some form of affection, some form of value, some form of perceived intimacy. Because I told you all the other day that intimacy and sex are two very different things and very rarely uh, equate to love. You know what I'm saying? Courtney, come on, be honest. You ever had sex while crying? No, not during, but after. Okay. Yeah, afterwards, it, it hit me because I I knew that I had no business doing it. 
Um, I felt that conviction, felt guilty, and um, yeah, I just, and I knew it wasn't um, it wasn't right, and I, and and I knew that man deep down that he didn't he wasn't feeling me as much as I was feeling him, and so yeah, I, I have cried. That's real. I'll be honest with you. I mean, that's I hear that and I know that goes on. I know a lot of women. I'm not. I'm, I was used to be a bastard, guys. I tell you, I used to be a bastard. You know, I've had sex with women who were actually crying, but trying to mistake uh, or trying to hide the tears I, I, during the act. And I've counseled a number of women who know exactly what I'm talking about right now. You know, doing it for the wrong reasons. Women who actually hate sex, but having sex just to hopefully have some form of future outside of crying themselves to sleep at night by themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's deep. You know, and I'm just saying, you don't have to do that. And so it goes back to these men actually being honest with the women and telling them, like, yo, this is not what I want. I actually want a respectable woman. I actually want my mom to view you as a daughter. Ladies, I mean, keep it real. A lot of y'all, it's like you've met his mom, but did his mom embrace you? You know, or or was he a ghetto nigga and his and his mom, you didn't even want to be embraced because you know the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Keep it real, y'all know what I'm talking about. See, the thing about it, is my, my my wife loves my mom, my mom loves my wife. That's what y'all really want. That's what's most important, not the foolishness. Keep it. I mean, just just, just don't settle, guys. Because I mean, you know, I don't expect to get a lot of calls like, oh yeah, let's all. Call in and co-sign what they down and saying So everybody knows that I can relate No, I'm not asking for that But y'all know what I'm saying is the truth You know what I'm saying? I'm not making this stuff up You know what I mean? Like, y'all know what it is And all I'm saying is The way to get what you want Is by being real with yourselves You know? And it's by, you know, these men Requiring these men to be honest with you You know, don't fall for the BS Don't settle for the lies you know he's lying. You know he spent Valentine's Day with somebody else, but you still gonna let him smash anyway. For what? You ain't heard from him since Valentine's Day, but just got finished having some good sex with him on Friday, this past Friday night. For what? Why? Just to not be alone one more weekend? Just because you were lonely for those two weeks since Valentine's Day was over? It's not, it wasn't worth it, was it? Forsaking your relationship with Jesus Christ just to not be alone on a, on on Saturday night, Saturday afternoon. It's not worth it. You know, keep it I mean keep it honest. You can relate to that, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's not a it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling at all just getting um caught up with something or, you know, someone and you know that you shouldn't be doing it. And it's 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 a horrible feeling, like I said, that that conviction, it really, really hits you. And it's, like you said, it's it's really not worth it after the fact. It's like, you know, while you're doing it, it's like it doesn't feel as bad, you know, but when that act is over, it's, it hits you. And then when you suffer the consequences, it hits you. You know, when you miss your period, it hits you. When you go to the doctor, they tell you you have an STD, it hits you. That, hey, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Mm. That's when it hits you. You know, you get that pregnancy scare. 
I had one pregnancy scare my whole life, and I I I get chills even thinking about it, man. I'll tell you, I, ladies, you you ever want to know? Yeah, he might be a thug. Yeah, he might, you know, appear to not be afraid of anything. Go go tell him you missed your period. You'll see that man start praying. You want you want him to go to church? Tell him you're pregnant. Tell him you missed your period. Tell him you you think you might, you know, you, you overly tired, and he he might what? You better get some sleep. You know what I mean? Shoot, y'all know what I'm talking about. So you like, you know, so you extra tired and all the time you throwing up and morning sickness and yo know, these men, man, that that'll scare a man. Trust me. And it's not no. Don't think, guys, that he's afraid to be a father. Don't think that he's not ready to be a father. You guys are not. This my audience is not a bunch of young kids. Y'all are grown women. Most of y'all. Y'all know these men are 30, 35, 40. These men are not afraid of having a kid. These men are afraid of having a child with a woman who all they wanted was, was for that sex. That's what really is afraid, you know, is scaring him. I mean, let's be honest. These men aren't afraid of commitment. They're afraid of committing to the wrong woman. You know, out here having sex all reckless with no condom, you know, it's all fun and games until that period doesn't come. Then what you going to do? Breathe a, a breath of relief, sigh of relief, when it turns out it was just late because of stress. You ever had something like that? You ever had a pregnant, had a scare, but it was just because of stress or something? Yep, I did. Um, but this was, I was like 17 16 or 17, and um, I thought I was pregnant. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. See, listen, y'all, y'all listen to this show. Some of y'all think I don't know what I'm talking about. Everything I've, I talk about, I've experienced. Just about 99.9% of the stuff we talk about, I've lived personally. That's why I'm able to relate. That's why I'm able to, you know, help y'all overcome this stuff. I mean, this young woman, this Puerto Rican chick I was dealing with. Actually, I can't say. I don't know if she's Puerto Rican or not. Maybe Mexican, Spanish, something. You know what I mean? I'm just, I don't, I don't want to say it wrong. I don't really know what she was. I know she was uh, Latina. But, uh, yeah, speaking Spanish, you know, that Espanol, you know what I mean? And one day she hit me up. was like, yo, I think I'm pregnant. I was like, what, what, what? I said, what the heck? Turns out it was just a practical joke. She just was, you know, pulling my chain. You know, but I, I was scared. I'm not going to lie to you because I knew that that was not, I'm not going to lie to you. It had nothing to do with her being the woman that God had for me because I wasn't even looking at things from that perspective at that point. But I just knew I didn't want to be with her. She was cool for that time. And the question that I would in, implore you ladies to ask yourselves in this moment is the man that you're having sex with, and I know, you know, we're Christians, and I know, you know, it's a Christian show, but let's not be naive. Let's not front like you guys aren't having sex with somebody. Not all of you, but most of you. I mean, look, keep it real. You know what I mean? Be honest. Like, whoever you got your intimate with, you know, or have been intimate with, ask yourselves in this moment. I'm not judging. I'm just saying be honest with yourself. You know what you do. You know, are you the woman or I should put it like this, if you get pregnant or were to let him know, hey, look, I'm pregnant, you know, would he embrace it? Would he be happy? Or would he hit the uh, the Canaan, Canaan uh, menace to society? Talking about something that ain't mine. You know, <laughs> talking about something, don't, don't call me no more. 
You know what I mean? And you got to go have you call up your cousins, have them go, go see them. Don't even have to go through all the foolishness. Save yourself the trouble. Just don't just don't have sex. I mean, God forbid, you know what I mean? Actually just stop having sex and you you know what I mean? But that that concept is so foreign to so many both men and women. All the baby daddy drama. How you complain about baby father drama, but but you had sex with the dude raw. Like, what did you think was going to happen when he bust all up inside you? I mean, I'm just asking. Y'all took, uh, uh, what is it? What, what class is that? Uh, sex ed? Whatever y'all want. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what it is. You know how babies are made? You had the, the birds and the bees talk? You know? I don't need to tell y'all again for the millionth time what my dad told me when I was young. You know, about what happens when a male and a female get together. Y'all know what it is. But, Yeah. There's nothing there's nothing worse. You know, if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, y'all miss some good shows. That's why y'all gotta listen every night. You know, seven nights a week, three hundred and sixty five days a year. But yeah, you know, just stop, you gotta you, you know, stop it. Stop it. Stop letting these dudes smash. One of the things I wanna talk about just in regards to uh going back to twelve years of slave is uh you know, we see a lot of similarities between what was happening in the movie and what's actually happening in the black community. Because what we see a lot of, if you look at the film, you know, what they did, you know, was actually separate him, you know, from his family. You know, they kidnapped him. They removed the black man from his wife, from his children, right? So the wife and the children had to grow up struggling in poverty with no father figure, and they put the black man in an imprisoned state, a state of slavery, or in modern day times, you know, separate him, put him in jail, do whatever. It's the same structure, it's the same system, different time, different place, but same idea. They separate the black family, divide and conquer. That's what they have been doing this whole time ever since slavery. Well, how do you do that now? You know, what did they do? Well, back then, you saw what they did. You took the black man out. You you, you made the black woman, the you know, the the white man's whore, right? I mean, that this has actually happened. Well, how do you make a black woman a whore? Well, I mean, think about that. I mean, you can't enslave them in 2014. But what you can do is you can elevate, you know, an, a very influential woman, a very influential, you know, image, whether it's Beyonce, whether it's Nicki Minaj, Lil' Kim. I mean, if there's always been, whether it's Diana Ross, whether it's Tina Turner, there's always been uh, uh, Josephine Baker. You know, it doesn't matter who it is. It matters what they represent for that time. You know, it's all the same. Right, so what you do is you introduce and you elevate someone to superstardom, and then you get the black women to idolize and look up to them, which totally, you know, soils their image in the eyes of black men. You know, and so that is one of the ways that you separate the black community by creating an environment that makes it just about impossible for the good black men to actually want to marry, you know, these women. 
you know, and, and, and have a family, and, and not only just have a family, but want to be with that family. See, I have the type of wife, I have the type of family, daughter, you know, just overall family structure that I actually want to be a good man. I actually want to support my family. I actually want to do the things that I'm supposed to do. You could do what you're supposed to do, but you might not want to do it. The way that you create an unsuccessful environment is by making it so that these men don't even want to be with these women. Well, how do you do that? Well, you introduce the independent way of thinking. You introduce a hoish way of thinking. You introduce an environment where all these men want to do is enjoy that woman sexually. Well, how do you do that? Well, you introduce someone like a Beyonce, like a Nicki Minaj, like a Sierra, where all you want to do is hit it one good time and then be done. What did Drake say about Rihanna? I'm going to paraphrase. I forget exactly what he said, but it's one of them. So he's like, look, he said, I don't care if you just won a Grammy. I still treat your ass like a nominee. You know, all I got to do is hit it one, t- one time, and that's good for me. This is a Rihanna type. This is a woman who is the epitome of a hoe. He said, this is Drake talking now. He said, all I need, one time, and that's good for me. A lot of women don't understand that that's the mentality of just about all these black men when they look at women like that. You, nobody talks about wifing up Rihanna, wifing up Beyonce. Nobody wants to do that, unless your name is Jay-Z. I never met a man talking about wifing up a hoe. Never. In fact, I got a guy, a good friend, I don't want to put his business out there, but he'll remain anonymous. He's literally, you know, bringing a, a, a wife back from from another country. Like, literally. It's going to cost about five stacks. Got the lawyer already. He's, you know, saving up his money. He's about to drop $5,000 and and literally about to import a woman that he's been dealing with from another country. Never been to this country, has no visa, but they're going to be married, and that's going to be what it is. Why? Because the in his eyes and in the eyes of many men, the, the, the pickings, the... You know, the choices here amongst women is so few and far between as far as women you can love and feel like really love you and you can bring home to mom. This is no disrespect, but I'm telling you all, this is a friend of mine. He's bringing a woman from another country specifically for that reason. And that's his reality. I'm not saying it's all men's reality. I'm not saying you can't find a good, but, but I'm saying that reality comes from some place. And that sentiment, that way of thinking is shared by so many black men. And the reasons for those things and what those reasons are, are what you see or hear night in and night out on this show. We're trying to help you beat the the curve, so to speak, be on the good side of the curve. You don't want to fall into the category of being the type of woman that the man, that these men are feeling frustrated with. Don't be, you know what I'm saying, don't be the source of the black man's perpetual frustration with black women. Don't do it. Not saying you are you're doing no, I'm just saying don't do it. What are your thoughts on that? When you hear a story like that, you know, black men going outside of the country, going outside of their race specifically because they feel and it's not about oh I hate my race or right now, nah, these men love their race, but out of frustration they're feeling like they have to go elsewhere. I mean, to be honest, it, it doesn't bother me. It's, um, it's. I don't want to say it's unfortunate because, I mean, it, you love who you love, um, but the unfortunate side is 
that we as black women are unable to see the reasons why. You know, we, and not only that, it's just that we don't, not, I shouldn't say we collectively, but um, some of us do not want to take the necessary steps to, you know, change that, that perception of us. You know, we still want to adopt that, like you said, independent mentality, still want to have an attitude and say, you know, um, if he can't accept me at my worst, then he doesn't deserve my best. All of these little things we, we say as defense mechanisms instead of just saying, you know what, let me just do some self-reflection and let me work on myself so I can be a better woman. I mean, and that's that's where the self-reflection comes in. You know what I'm saying? Self-reflection is, is, or lack thereof is what's preventing a lot of women from, from being found. You know, the just the inability or unwillingness to say, wow, you know what? What I've been doing for the better part of my my life is not working, you know, but let me try something different. Yeah, I've, every man I've dealt with I've ended up sleeping with after a couple months or after a couple of weeks. You know what? Maybe I should not try it. Maybe I should actually just be celibate. You know, maybe yeah. I, on my drive to work every morning, I just religiously and faithfully listen to Steve Harvey and just you know take that advice as being the gospel. And you know, maybe I should actually just stop doing that. You know, I mean, it's, it's amazing. So many women will actually do that. And I'm not, I'm not telling you don't listen to people like him. I mean, you you know, you listen to who you listen to. Hey, I might even be in my car one early morning. I might turn on uh, Steve Harvey just to you know what I'm saying just to hear what he's talking about. But I know what it is, and you guys should too. Don't like listen. Like, oh yeah, you know. Let me wait ninety days for sex. Oh yeah, then we'll let's go ahead, and that means I've got a good man. Like what? That makes no sense. But that's the formula, right? And this is again, we're still talking about the Oscars. You know, again, look what they did to to Lapita, and you know, look at the dude. You know, the dude, the the, the guy, the the slave master. He had a wife. He did not. He was not happy with his wife, so he found a jump off. You know, she had sex with him every single night. She had, and his, and his hating wife slashed her face up just because he wanted her. You know what I'm saying? And, and the funny thing is, a lot of women that look at that's people were in the theater crying at that scene. This is the craziest thing you're ever going to see. They are here. This is crazy. It's not even. It's just as it, it's crazy. Crazier than what I thought it was, because you know what I mean this is crazy, right? She says she slashes her face up, you know, and the dude just sits there and watches, like it's no big deal, right? You know, there's an obvious conflict between the jump off and the wife, right? And people were in the theater crying. People were like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe something like that happened." But isn't that what people line up to watch every Thursday night on Scandal? You know what I'm saying? There's an obvious conflict between the wife, Melly, and, and, and Olivia Pope. You know what I'm saying? But in 12 Years a Slave, it's a problem. But all of a sudden, it's not a problem in Scandal. What the heck is the difference, Courtney? There is none. There, there is, is no none. difference. There is no difference. Is there, I, mean, they, they, I mean, Olivia, uh, in the episode the other night, She's freaking making out with the president in the in the Oval Office. Melly walks in, and they they act like they're not doing anything. 
Like that if it's you know what I'm saying, if they're so in love and it's so whatever, then just be real about it. But because you have to hide it, that means you're a hoe. Right? I mean that means you're like a jump off. That means you're you're a hoe. If you can't be open about it, if you gotta lie about it, a lot of women like like Nia Long in Love Jones was a hoe. A lot of people don't look at it like that, but she was. If she wasn't, then she wouldn't have had to lie to her best friend when she let him smash. Because the re- reality is that she was ashamed that she let him smash on the first place, and rightfully so. She should have been ashamed because what she did was a hoish act. And a lot of people, they, they you know, they're not make, they're making excuses for hoish behavior. Beyonce talks about sucking penis, you know, in the backseat of a limo, and black women love it. Making excuses for hoish behavior. She's talking about swallowing Jay-Z's, his kids, his seeds, his semen. And all of a sudden, that's okay. But black women love that. But let let you know, you know, let a man be dealing with him. And be like, yo, what's up? Why don't you give me some good head? They oh, what? What? I don't do that. What? How could you ask me that? Come on. But you love. But you love uh, drunken love. But you be talking about you know fantasizing about having your own Maybach with the with the curtains and the partition and you know what I'm saying? Come on. Come on. Talking about you don't do it. I mean, just be honest, you know what I mean? Just be, you know, Courtney, why can't, Why do so many women be, here's the funny thing. Women won't be want to be honest about what they do, but look up to Beyonce for being honest, too brutally honest, about what she does. If they love Beyonce talking about her whorish ways, why, why not embrace their own whorish ways? Courtney? Right. I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I think because deep down they know it's not right. Right. Then why do they support Beyonce? Who you know, if it's not right? I think because she gives them, um, I don't want to say hope, but she validation. Like, thank you. I couldn't think of the word validation, so they can continue their behavior. That's what it is. Exactly. Exactly. That's all it is. It's validation. Is validation. Never look to a celebrity for validation because understand, going back to what we talked about earlier in the show, celebrities are put in place, uh, you know, uh, in positions of influence for a reason. These people, these billionaires, they're not going to spend millions of dollars on these celebrities. Uh, and not get a return on their investment. So you've got to ask yourself, the people who put them in the position that they're in, what is the purpose? What message are they furthering? If you think, that, oh, they're just there for no reason, they're just there not to further an agenda, you're crazy. There's always an agenda. Look at the Beyonce. Look at Nicki Minaj. Look at look at Janet Jackson. Look at these people. Look what they represent and have represented historically, whether it's through music whether it's through film, look at all these Academy Awards. You know, they, they, they serve a purpose. After their purpose is served, they, you know, they, they basically fade away into obscurity. You know, they're all, all these people, Lapita, I mean, all these people, it's always an it girl. Whether it's Jennifer Hudson one year, Lapita, you know, India Ari, Alicia Keys, I mean, they all fade away. And it, it's... Not that they fade away; it's what the Bible says. You know, it grow, they, you know, the fame grows wings and it, it flies away. 
You know, nothing is forever. That's why the uh, the overall motto, one of the, the founding fathers of the Satanic Church, Aleister Crowley, said, you know, just kind of do as you want, do as thou wilt. You know, Pepsi's new slogan, live for now. Don't worry about it because it's all going to go away eventually anyway. You're all going to end up burning in hell at the end of the day, so just live for now. You know, do it, do as thou wilt, do what you want to do. Don't worry about tomorrow. I mean, that's really what's being said in a nutshell, okay? One of the things that they, you know, so we're talking about the just the whole plan, you know, of the enemy. If you look at, you know, inner city schools even, for example, you know, look what they're doing. We talked about from a relationship standpoint, from a family standpoint, but look at just from an educational standpoint. You know, in the film, the dude told him, he's kind of schooling uh, Solomon on, like, yo, you know, don't let them know who you are. You know, don't don't let them know that you can read. You got to act like you're stupid. You know, otherwise you'll you'll be beaten. You know, slaves would get a hundred lashes just for attempting to read. Forget actually being able to read, but just for inquiring about reading or wanting to read, they would lash you. You know what I'm saying? Give you the lashes. You know, if you notice, blacks had to act on these were these were educated men. These were free men. These were well-spoken men, articulate men, who had to act ignorant just to survive. But look what these kids do. Look what these kids have to do. They have to act ignorant. They have to act tough. They have to be a thug just to survive. you got to be tough in these streets. You know, I'm not a thug. I don't think I'm tough. But I carry a gun. You know what I'm saying? That's just, you know, it is what it is. That's just what has to be done. Imagine what the, that's that's what I do to survive and to protect my family, right? Imagine what these these actual street dudes have to do. Just imagine. You know, I mean, my guns are legal. Look at, imagine what these guys walking around with, looking like Rambo out here, illegal T.I. You know, this guy got found with, when they arrested this guy, this guy had, and he, not only did he get found with all types of military-grade artillery rifles and stuff like that, this dude brags about it. Talking about some, ask the, ask the uh, feds what they what they found me with. Like, bragging about it. Like, this guy's some type of super gangster. Dude's a snitch. How you, how you, I mean, we've never even talked about this, but, I mean, when you really think about it, how do you get found with all that, all those guns? Illegal guns. You get five years for just having a gun. If I get caught, if I go out and buy an illegal, a regular illegal handgun, I'm going to jail for at least five years, right? That's just for an illegal pistol. How the heck do you get found with all types of actual military-grade weapons, right? You get set up by one of your homies that's not really your homie. I'm just asking. If anybody knows, let me know. Where do they do that at? And then you only get a year? You get probation. You still get to walk around. It's because you snitched on somebody. Okay, and that's just, and that's just what it is. I mean, there's no way around it. You're going to jail, especially at that level of stardom that you have. You gave up some names. You made a couple deals. You ever thought about that, Courtney? No, I, I didn't. But now that we're talking about it, it makes perfect sense. That's what I'm saying. Let I'm just that's a really Google the the gun laws. We just did the show on guns, you know, the other day. Just like I said, one gun will get you five years in jail, no questions asked. Just five years minimum. 
How do you do that? How do you get caught? But that's neither here nor there, but I just find it interesting. But the the fellas know, the street dudes know. I mean, most dudes know, like, T.I.'s a snitch. But, you know, a lot of a lot of those celebrities snitch. They get, you know, get, get a... In fact, The Rock was in. Did you ever see that movie with The Rock called Snitch? No. That was actually a good film. Yo, check it out when you get some time. Surprise, The Rock? Aren't you a Rock fan, Courtney? No, I never was. Really? Yeah. Not, not your cup of tea? Not my cup of tea. Right. What about Lance Gross? Here we go. <laughs> Set up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my cup of tea. Yeah, I feel you. All right. Um, but, yeah, so this is what's going on, though. A hundred lashes just for attempting to read, acting dumb, acting ignorant. You know, I know kids, I see kids acting. Um, I told you all the story about uh, a couple months ago I was in church, and the kid, you know, was playing the one dude. He's like, yo, why, what you got a tie on for? He's like, in church, making fun of the kid for having wearing a tie in church. You know, and they're dressed in white tees, looking like jeans, looking like niggas, didn't even brush their hair. Typical little niggas, no parents. It's, you know, it's just disgusting, man. It's absolutely disgusting to see some of these kids out here. No parents, no home training, no guidance. And and we make excuses and we have the audacity to to protest about other things, about other races, other outside influences. But we when we as parents have failed, and I, I'm not even gonna put myself in that category. I'm not even gonna do it. They have failed. You know, I mean 'cause if I don't care who you are, if if your kid is out there walking around looking like a nigga, you have failed as a parent. And ask yourselves, you know what your kids wear to school. You know how those pants hang low. I'm telling you right now, you failed as a parent. If that's, I don't care what people say. You have failed. If you're a teenager, you've done something wrong. That is not how it should be. Even if you did everything that you could do, the who, who you chose to be that person's father, that kid's father, if if for no other reason, because that's important. You know what I'm saying? You have to choose properly. You can't be selfish when it comes to choosing the father of your children, because the your choice is going to determine how that cho- that child turns out. And if you choose wrong, just based on you know how he could you know blow your back out on a Saturday night and you know you decide to get caught up and let him smash raw run one night and that produces a child but that man never really wanted you he's probably not going to really want that kid all like that and the next thing you know that kid is going to turn out jacked up and you go that's where you see these single moms in the grocery stores cussing their kids out smacking their kids not because they're mad at their kids for picking up a bag of chips but because they're pissed off that they're a single mom in the store with these kids, and the father's out having sex with somebody else. That's the real reason you see these kids, they are, these moms getting uh, getting pissed off, yelling. It's like, yo, what is your problem? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, I mean, you see that. You see these, these single moms out here mad at the world, but really mad at their baby's dad, mad at themselves, mad at God. Yeah, I see that all the time, and like you were saying, at the grocery store, I see that. And what they're yelling at the kids about, it's not even that serious. Like, it really isn't. And I'm looking like, well, why are you, you know, doing that? And then they don't know that, you know, that's harming the child. 
Well, I doubt that they care, you know, because they have their own issues they're dealing with. But those kids are going to grow up messed up. Right. I I see. I saw a kid today. I was in Target, and it, I mean, I don't know if she was a single mom or not, but you know, I can only assume she didn't have a ring on and walk, you know, walking around with two kids. And the guy, young kid, probably wasn't um, older, much older than uh, my daughter, and he was just. He had a problem. Like he was just bad, bad for no reason. Like just picking stuff off the off the shelves for no reason, throwing it. And she's like, "Stop that!" I'm like, "Yo, what the?" And he's just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah," making stupid noises, acting all crazy. I'm just like, "Yo," I mean, and that's. I mean, I'm not judging these kids, but I'm just saying that is often indicative of the environment in which that kid grows up in. You know, I mean, happy kids are happy kids because. One, they usually have happy parents and and happy and, and a happy environment. You'll never find a, a happier baby uh, than than Aubrey, my daughter. I mean, you you never will. She's like the happiest baby in the world, but that's be, because she has happy parents and a, and a happy, stable uh, Christian environment. You start introducing all these other things, and you know it's just going to mess up the kids. And all I'm saying is, you have to be aware of that. You have to understand that you following Beyonce and you loving hoish behavior is is going to translate into kids not one not respecting you, but then also not respecting themselves. So and again, this is all part of the plan. You know, being a black man in corporate America. You know, I've I've been waiting to talk about this. I've been waiting to talk about this, man. You know, what, before we even go there, we look at in the movie. You know, slaves. Did you notice how the, they they would betray? Like the one dude, he seemed like he was the dude's friend, but then he betrayed him. He basically played him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he ratted him out. These are things, you know, and just stealing from each other. You know, killing each other, robbing each other just to survive. You know, and that's what that's what you see. We talked the other night, black on black crime. You know, black people stealing from each other. I used to have a convertible. Actually, I still have a convertible. But back, when I remember when I was driving my other convertible back in the day, a couple of years ago, I could feel very comfortable driving with the top down, you know, and, or I should say parking with the top down, leaving it, going shopping. But I could only do that in the white neighborhoods, you know, when I go to the white malls. Because it's like, okay, I know I'm only going to be here for a little bit. And the reality is these white people ain't going to mess with my stuff. That's a problem. I should not have to feel that level of comfort around white people. And then when I go into the hood, not only not leave the top down or the windows open, but actually have to carry a gun. That's not cool. That's 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 a problem. And we talk about that stuff, guys. But, again, that that's all part of the plan. It's all a part of their agenda is to divide us and have us kill each other off and harbor uh, deep-rooted animosity, not so much towards them, but towards each other. You know, you look at the emasculation of the black men by the slave masters. I mean, these dudes were playing these guys. I remember back in the day, you know, when I was in corporate America, these, I mean, whether it was white women, white men, I mean, they they would just try to play me, and I just look at them like, I've walked out of jobs. I've had to tell people, like, straight up, you know, in jobs that I end up having to walk out because I knew I would be fired. Like, look, 
I don't know who you think you're talking to, but you're not going to talk to me like that. And I've never been pressed for a job. I've always been able to just get another job. But that's – and the fellas know they they will test you. You know, after a certain point, you know, you have to put your foot down. Like, look, I'm not that dude. I'm not just going to laugh at your jokes. I'm not just going to humble myself and not say anything. Like, no, I'm a man first. You're not going to disrespect me. And, um, you know, that's unfortunately what a lot of men have to deal with, being a black man in white America. You have to have that uh, that slave mentality, you know, that Uncle Tom mentality. Have you ever seen black men with that Uncle Tom mentality? Yes, black men, same black women, just it's just black people in, in corporate America act that way. You know, always kissing up to their boss laughing at things that aren't funny, and just overdoing it with the laughter, too. And so I'm looking like, it's not even that funny. Like, just being over the top for absolutely no reason. But then when they're out of the presence of that person they were laughing with, they're talking about that person. Oh, I can't stand her. I don't like her, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when they come around, ah, it's like, you know, a big party. <laughs> so right. funny. And it's one of the things that you got that's, one of the reasons why, one of the main reasons why Dave Chappelle left the in, the industry, he did what I did. He walked away. He said, "Look, I'm not gonna, you're not, you're not gonna punk me. I've walked away from a lot of money. I'll just put it that way. A lot of good jobs where I made good money, specifically because I was not gonna allow them to emasculate me. You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna, you're not gonna punk me. You know what I'm saying? It's not gonna happen. I don't care what it is. I mean, you just, I'm not gonna." Oh yeah, I'm just gonna you know allow you to disrespect me as a man. It's, it's crazy, you know. They wanted Dave Chappelle to wear a dress, and and you look at these comedians. Kevin Hart, I remember he was actually quoted saying, "Look, you know, I, I, yeah, I heard about that Dave Chappelle. He's like, look, I'm not I'm not wearing a dress. He said, like, I don't. That's not me. I'm just not gonna do that. I don't. I'm too, I don't have to do that. I'm I'm funnier than that. You know, he said I would never wear a dress. Next thing you know, this dude is on Saturday Night Live wearing a dress. They got Martin playing, you know, uh, Big Mama's house in a dress. I mean, in fact, every major comedian that's been successful, you'll find him in a dress. Why? To be in that position of power. Look, even Wesley Snipes, one of the toughest dudes ever. You got this dude, Demolition Man and, you know, Blade, you know. Next thing you know, got him in, what, what is it, Tu Wong Fu? Nightingale Jackson. I never saw it because I have no desire to see that crap, you know. But yeah, that's that's what's required. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are; they're not gonna let you get to that point. They'll let you shine. They'll let you get some notoriety, but you will be humbled. You will be show them that you know you realize who's in control. And if you if you just continue to look around, you'll see it. You know. And it's, it's it's unfortunate, but you know it's. But it, I'm, my point is, it's the same thing. You know, just like in Twelve Years a Slave, they had this dude playing the violin. You know, entertaining them. But you know, it is what it is, man. Uh, what else, though? One of the, the keys to su- uh, succeed in corporate America, you know, you you can't be a you can't come off as being the typical stereotypical black buck, as they call it. You know, you have to be the, you have to be controllable. You have to be, you know, 
even in most cases, downright weak. That's how you walk up that corporate ladder. You know, the moment they feel intimidated by you, you know, that that's when they start, they get with HR, they get with your team leader, they get with your supervisor, and then they uh, they conspire against you. And, and the fellas, it's, you know, not so much with black women, because a lot of times black women will be there specifically uh, for the rich white men to lust after and often to enjoy sexually. Same thing as it was on the plantations. You know, I know this one white dude back in my old job, I won't say the company, but he was known for smashing off like a number of, of, of black chicks. I'm just like, wow, that's crazy. He was like the director of the department. He, you know, he had at least four or five bodies in the in the department. <laughs> Is that not crazy to you, Courtney? Wow. <laughs> I, I had never heard of that before. But, I mean, it's not too surprising, I guess. Yeah, a lot of women, they think that these, you know, these white men, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go get me a white man. Next thing you know, look at Robin Thick. see? Listen, it doesn't matter who it is. You know, nobody's immune from it, you know. Get a white guy if you want to. It's no different. It's all about being emotionally available. That's the key. Now, um, what else was I going to say? Now, funny thing is, I've worked. I used to work at this job. This, you guys remember in the in the movie where the dude was schooling him on like what's, you know, what to do, what not to. He was like, "Look, ever tell them who you really are. Just act like that." He said, "That life is over. That life never happened. Just don't, just don't tell them who you really are." The craziest thing about it, if you guys know, nowadays, and and it's been this way for a while. If you guys notice, there there are very few jobs. Nowadays that are paying You know like back in the day You could graduate with a degree And come right out and make a job make, Get a job making 50, 60,000 70,000 dollars Nowadays depending on your field there are, There's a very select few jobs Where you can actually do that You know engineering is one of them There's certain other ones But you know with, with certain Most jobs nowadays Whether it's marketing, communications uh, um Advertising, those types of things, and, and, and most sales jobs, customer service, they companies now like to hire you either as a temp, you know, like on a tempted perm basis. They're using these temp agencies in most cases, and you're starting entry level, and then you have to work your way up the corporate ladder, you know, and then you will ultimately, hopefully, get it, you know become maybe a supervisor if you meet the, you know, the uh, aforementioned <laughs> criteria, right? I mean, that's how it goes. And and let you actually express to them, you know, the type of managerial background you have, the type of skills you have, you know, the education that you have. You go right out the door or you go back to the bottom of the list. They don't want to hear that. And I've, I, I be, I'll be honest with you. I had to find that out the hard way years ago. They don't want to hear that. You ever notice, like, and you, if you've ever been in corporate, you know, Courtney. Sometimes you, if you've been a manager or have had a certain, you have to dumb your resume down. You know, to even get a job. You ever experienced that? Yeah, you do. You do, because you know they'll either say, you know, a lot of times they say, oh, well, you're overqualified for the position. 
meaning I don't really want to pay you the amount of money that your experience uh, requires. That's really what that means. I've never even experienced someone actually being honest and saying, oh, you're over. I just, you know, they just hate on me. <laughs> I just don't get the job or, you know, they just don't didn't call me back or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, you know and I'll encourage anyone to, to embrace this way of thinking. I mean, I'm not one of those people who's too proud. I mean, you know, my my fa- my grandfather, he you know, he said, you know, never work for the white man. He grew up in South Carolina. I mean, you know, he was always an entrepreneur, you know what I'm saying? Grew up like the the deep south, you know what I mean? Like racist guys, crazy stuff going on lynchings and they burnt his barbershop down like cuz he was too successful. Drove a Cadillac, you know, during that time they pulled him over, took the car. I mean, so much stuff that happened, to, you know, uh, him and other relatives back down there. But, you know, I was always the person, I said, well, look, if they're going to use you, I'll tell anybody, use them. Don't look at a nine-to-five job as being your everything. You come up with something that you want to do, you know, and then you use them to help you get to that goal, you know. And, and you know, and if it gets to that point where it becomes disrespectful, then, you know, you do what you got to do, but... You know, don't ever think that you're too proud to go back into corporate America. A lot of people, when they develop that entrepreneurial spirit, they say, well, nah, I don't want to go back. I say, why not? Go back. Why pay your own bills? Let them pay your bills, and you use that money to build your business up. Everything you guys see now, a lot of my business, they pay for. You know, Wachovia paid for. Back when I was at the bank, they they paid. They was paying for all this stuff. They laid the foundation. They paid for that book I wrote. You see what I'm saying? Use them. You ever look at it from that perspective, Courtney? Yeah, but it it, it took a while. It, it did take a long time because I think um, a lot of people, they look at their job as their source as opposed to what their calling is and what they're really meant to do. Right, right. That's what a lot of people need to realize. Your job and your calling are usually not one and the same. I've been fortunate to be blessed in that area where my job is actually my calling. This is my job. Counseling is my job. That's how I make my money. That's how I support my family. But it's also my calling to help people, to educate people. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I do. That's what I was called to do. It just so happens I'm able to do that from a financial standpoint also, you know, which is a blessing. But, you know, if even if that's not the case with you, always look at the big picture. What's most important is your calling. Your job pays the bills. Your calling is what's pleasing to God. Never allow your calling, or excuse me, your job to supersede what it is that you're really called to do or distract you from what you're really called to do. Because that would be a waste of time. That would be a waste of a life. Okay? You know, you got you to be smart about it. You know, back in the day, whether it was slavery, whether it's corporate America, you got your house niggers and you got your field niggers, right? I mean, keep it real. You got those people who can go to the the corporate, you know, boardrooms. They can send you to the on the business trip to represent the uh, the company accurately. Other people, you know, they ain't going to no business meetings. They're there specifically to do a job. They're there to clean the toilets. They're there to get the sales, get on, be on the phones, sit in the office, and ride away. And, you know, that's what it is. 
Just like uh what is it, Alfre Woodard, you know, her character. She was the, the house nigger, Samuel Jackson and Django. You know, that was that was their role. You know, one of the things that corporate America is, is known for is selling you a dream. Y'all know how it is. I get into that training class, you know, first day orientation. Got your eight or nine other people in there with you. Somebody comes in selling you the dream. Oh yeah, making stupid jokes. Oh yeah, you know we can. This is the the, the your career path. You work this for two years, get promoted, rise your way, walk your way up the corporate. That's the that's the the plan. But when you get out there in the real world on on the floor or wherever you know in your actual position, doesn't always turn out that way, does it? No, not at all. Sometimes not even close. <laughs> right. It doesn't always work that way. And and it's the same it was the same way in the movie. You know, and they were you know, when she even when the lady was crying for her kids in, in uh in Twelve Years a Slave, they separated her kids. All they had to they could have kept the, the family together. They just wanted to separate. she said, Don't worry, you you'll soon forget about your kids. That was deep, that was crazy. She said, You'll soon forget about your kids. Man, but that's the dream. They sell you on the dream and just expect you to just go along with it, no matter how ridiculous it seems, you know. But, yeah, this is deep, man. I just wanted to to just show you all, you know, a couple of different perspectives. One of the things, uh, just in regards to Dr. King, you know, ironically, you know, when you look at some of these corporate American environments, you got the people who are where you're making Thousands of dollars, maybe the millions of dollars for the company, you know, they're obviously using you, paying you $12 an hour, $15 an hour, whatever it is. But, you know, and so it's clear who the real enemy is, the real oppressor is, but then you got people fighting internally. The Nation of Islam, you know what I mean, fighting with Malcolm X internally when there was when there was a greater evil at hand. Where they all could have united against the, you know, the the powers that be to continue doing good, spread the message. But, you know, crabs in a barrel syndrome. He was getting too big. A lot of people don't realize uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Louis Farrakhan. He admitted. I remember uh, a lot of people don't remember this, but I remember I saw it live. He was on sixty minutes. I forget who was actually interviewing, but they they asked him. They were like, "Yo, uh, you know, were you responsible, or like, did you kill Malcolm X? Were you responsible for the death of Malcolm X?" And he actually said, "I'm going to paraphrase," but he was like, "You know, I did not, you know, kill Malcolm X, but I am responsible for creating the environment that led to Malcolm X's death." And this is what Louis Farrakhan said. I was like, wow, that's crazy. Did you know about that? No, I didn't. He admitted that. He admitted that. Google it. Look it up on YouTube. You guys, I saw that, but that was years ago. That was maybe 10 years ago. I remember I saw it live. I was like, wow. He said, I admit to creating the environment that led to his death or facilitating the environment or something to that effect. And that's what we as a people have a problem with. You know, crabs in the barrel, you know what I'm saying, embracing, you know, a black president just because he's a black president, 
You know, you can't do that. You got to earn respect. But we talked about that the other night. One of the last things I'll say is, um, you guys been watching the news lately? Shout out to the the older listeners. You guys saw the um, the headline on CNN today from Obama. You know, uh, the United States, and they're being very uh, selective with their words, but the United States has plans on isolating Russia in regards to their their stance on this whole thing going on with uh, Ukraine. This is, <laughs> listen, guys. <laughs> I predicted during the Boston bombing. We did a whole show on it. What was that, a year ago, Courtney, at this point? Yes, seems like it. It, it was like that. Yeah, a little less. It was April because the Boston bombings were April. Go, go back and listen to my special on the Boston bombings where I predicted a year ago that within the next year or so, the next two years, we'll be at war or about to go to war with Russia. And it all started with the Tsarnaev brothers. This, yeah, I don't want to get too deep into it. I'm about to go to sleep. But listen to the show. We broke everything down. I predicted step by step by step from the Boston bombings, it will, and then from everything that will happen over the next several months, next couple of years, it's all going to be an attempt to get to Russia. Why? Because Russia is one of the only al or one of the main allies of North Korea. And we've been dying to take over that whole region. We already have control over South Korea pretty much. All we need is North Korea. The only we can attack North Korea and go to war with them without neutralizing Russia. And so how do we get to war with Russia? Let's start the process that all started with the Boston bomb. Listen, I said it all a year ago. So I'm just watch the news. We are about to go to war with Russia. I said a year ago, we're going to be going to work. Y'all know what it is, man. Look, any last thoughts, Courtney? Anything? I mean, it, it's so much. It's, at some point, there's only so much you can say, you know what I mean, before stuff actually starts happening and people start realizing, like, wow, okay, this is actually what's going on. It may hurt me emotionally and internally to actually self-reflect and be like, wow, you know, but I do need to do it because this is the case. This is real life. This is happening. What are your thoughts? Any last comments you want to get out? Right. I mean, I, I agree with you, and I just I encourage people, like you said, just to self-reflect and just get out of being in denial because that state of denial, is, it is no good for you. Like, it, it does nothing for you, you know, but it keeps you in um, this fantasy world that is damaging. It is very damaging. But once you embrace the truth, even if it hurts at first, it will be better for you. You'll be a better person. So instead of tearing people down for, you know, saying what's going on in this world as far as politics, as far as entertainment, as far as, you know, just what's really going on, instead of tearing them down, really just say, you know what, instead of debating with you because I don't know enough information, let me do my own research. Let let me take a look into what's really going on so I can find the truth for out for myself. Absolutely. I mean, I don't care if it's, you know, when you remember people like Solomon Northup, you know, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. I mean, these were all people who fought for unity, for inclusion, you know what I'm saying, for change, you know, of the system. 
you know, and, and you can't look up to those types of people, but then adopt the things that Dr. King fought against, you know, like the lack of un- unity in the black community, you know, things like, you know, nonviolence that Dr. King stood for. I mean, you know, we as a people are the most violent race, you know, in my opinion, one of the most ignorant races as a whole, you know, and we really have to do, each and every one of us has to do our part as a whole to embrace the change that we to that we that we claim to seek, you know. When, even with this show, even with Facebook, even with a lot of things that just you know professionally, even personally, I've experienced more hate from my own people than I've ever experienced and ever will experience from other races, and that's a shame because I feel like I, I you know, you guys know what I do. I'm all about the people. I'm all about helping and giving back through nonprofits, through the show, through counseling, all types of things. And, you know, I've experienced so much hate. And I'm not complaining because the word does say that when you live for Christ, you will be hated by everyone. I get it, but I try not to think that even though that hate will be will come, I like to think that it would not come from my own people. But, you know, it, it, you know, you can't change scripture, but it's just sad. It's just a sad state of society, you know. So just just try to be the exception, whatever you do. You know, whether it's seeking love, whether it's relationships, whether it's dating, whether it's doing what you do from a you know a corporate America standpoint, just be the exception. You know, I want to thank you guys for for tuning in to our you know MLK, Twelve Years a Slave, Black Man in Corporate America Oscar special. I knew we were going to need just about all three hours, so you know because there was a lot to talk about. But I appreciate you guys for uh, for sticking around. If you need any type of um you know counseling or um, you know, definitely email Courtney, email myself, uh, call the eight eight five five fifty five at com. Uh, literary consultation. I know a lot of people are writing books. I definitely do literary consultation, TRC Literary. Uh, check out the website for more information on that. Uh, we do everything publishing, you know, literary consultations, all that good stuff. So uh, whatever you need, just email me, call me, stay in touch, stay positive, guys. And stay blessed. Thank you all. See you all tomorrow night. Peace.
Date on be your motivation, child. Let date on tour come and change your world. 